So I was looking on the internet mm-hmm. of all good things, mm-hmm. which you can never trust the internet sometimes. <laughs> um, you have few tattoos. I do. Okay. Oh no! You, you are, oh my gosh! You stop that! You zoom 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 zoom. I have a few. I do. Yes. What What do you want me to? Is, are there any stories? So my first tattoo is this butterfly. It's a very small butterfly. I got it probably when I was nineteen. Okay. And maybe at the time it was also like the first one of the first few like outright rebellious acts. Uh, but this is significant because I encountered coaching when I was 19. The same, um, so I did a tattoo I think a little bit after that. And it so happened I went to a butterfly already. But because coaching, the experience of coaching, I would use the word transformed me inside and out. It changed my entire perspective of myself and my life. Doing the butterfly was symbolic because butterfly is a symbol for transformation. So that, that's that story around that. So I think in doing that, it was not only an act of rebellion or maybe like, you know, fighting me, but it was a an imprint of a commitment to transformation. I have one at the back, it's quite big. It's a picture of a phoenix, but a Chinese phoenix. Okay. And I tattooed that because in one of my um, very, very deep coaching sessions, I saw a metaphor. And it was a mess. So we were, we were, like, my coach asked me to sort of dream up a, um, what do you call it, a mystical animal yeah. that best represents what we would say your, your highest self or your best self. You at like, you know, many, many levels up. Yeah. And then I saw this beautiful image of a colorful Chinese phoenix kind of flying over wow. a village or a town. Um, why flying over a village or a town is because I always found myself in leadership positions and I kind of like it. I mean, I like mm. taking care of people. I like taking care of a tribe. Um, but the majesticity, I don't know, is that such a word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, of the phoenix was appealing to who I, you know, I didn't want to be the Lin who is always riddled with self-doubt and lack of confidence and always kind of doubting every move and everything mm. I said. Mm. Um, I wanted to be graceful, Powerful but graceful. Mm. And that was what it represented. Yeah, because I also one of the questions I want to ask was about this sort of self-doubt. Do you feel that before you didn't know its existence and then through coaching you then realize its existence? How did that what are the steps that sort of Wow, you know you know fish sit in water? Yeah. Are they aware of the water? Mm. Not really. It's kind of just they're yeah. born in it, they die in it, it's just around them, they don't really question it. They kind of know it's there because they're in it. But and it's the same thing with all these things within us, right? For me, it's a lot of self doubt. For other people, we, um, you know, I know a friend who is just he he judges everything. He cannot help it. Mm-hmm. He judges everything, but he judges himself the most. Mm-hmm. And he's just so in it, you can't break out of it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I knew I had thoughts like that, but I didn't know I had thoughts like that. You know what I mean? And the main shift, um. And transformation was this awareness piece. Mm. To then step out and say, wait a minute, why do I have to swim in water? I don't want to swim in water. I don't want to swim in a bowl. I want to swim in an ocean. Or I want to fly. I don't want to swim in water. Yeah. And then that's where choice comes in because without awareness, you cannot have choice. Yeah. It's a simple formula. Yeah. But yet also very difficult to do because we are so, we are in water and we don't know. And then you look around and your friends are swimming in water and you swim together. That's mm. life. That's the life that you were given. You don't, you never thought to really question it until usually until something happens in our lives and we go, wait a minute, is this normal? Does it have to be this way? Yeah. Maybe not. And what is the conversation like that brought that awareness to you? Wow. You're a good 
culture? Oh. <laughs> you learn coaching right this year. <laughs> good, good question. Uh, what was the conversation like? Well, it was very painful. It was very painful. I hired my coach. At the time, I was 19. I didn't even know what coaching was. But I hired him because I went to hear him talk. And I realized this, this stranger knows more about life. Knows more about my life than I do. And I've been living this for 19 years. And that was when I went, okay, maybe there's so much more about myself that I need to learn or that is there that I don't know of. And then when I sat down with him, it's just a lot of probing questions that are difficult to look at. So for example, you know, um, when I, I had a lot of self-doubt. Okay, so then he would ask, you know, where, where do you think that comes from? And so we had to, you know, we kind of really trace back to then how I was growing up and being a middle child, I just um, never got the kind of attention that I needed. <laughs> Maybe the kind of encouragement. There's a lot of comparison internally between myself and, like, say, my siblings or my friends. And um, and then he kind of helped me weed out the philosophy that I had, which was, if I'm going to fail, why should I even try? So I had this entire self-image of a failure. Even though on outside, you can't really tell. It's what happens inside. Mm-hmm. And so with the philosophy... You know, I just lens, I look at everything, I go, oh, I want to go travel, I want to, you know, start my own business, right? But, oh, if I'm going to fail, why do I even try? So the only thing I knew of was procrastination. But again, that came very late. I was 19, I finished fashion school in June, and my only dream at the time was to start my fashion label. But after, like, five months, nothing happened. Every day I'd go to work, I worked in a laundry store, and I'd go to work, I'd bring my sketchbook, and I'd go, like, okay, today I'm going to sit on that sketching, and I'm going to do this. And for five months, every day, I did nothing. I did shit. So that's when I realized, okay, maybe something wrong here. So that's how it starts. You didn't sketch at all? Nope. I mean, I sketched like, well, maybe one or two. And then, you know, somehow I'll get distracted. I'll, you know, put it aside. I'll get bored. And is it, is it, how does that, you know, link with, you know, self-doubt? And once you know of it, how did that sort of change? Or what does the change process look like? So the change process was when I the awareness of this philosophy that I had. If I'm going to fail, why even start? And then I had to ask myself, do I want to live the rest of my life like that? Really? Yeah. And suddenly the, the distance between my dreams and living this way yeah. just was so, it was so huge that I had to make a choice, right? Mm-hmm. That I want to continue living this way. You kind of see your life that trajectory and you can see what's going to happen already. Um, I was 19, I was at quarter life crisis, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I couldn't stand behind anything I wanted to do. And yet at the same time, if you look at the trajectory of if I got rid of this, what is possible? What could happen? I don't know how I'm going to get there, but at least the road is open. And so we presented a choice. And that is normally the case of what happens when somebody makes a drastic change in their life or has a drastic transformation. It's a choice. I mean, we are in, we are in goal-setting season right now. And some of them will fall through, some of them will not. But if you look back at last year, all the things that you did, you, you really fed your life force and your energy into making that choice to, it's painful, it's tough, but let's do it again, right? This is what I commit to in myself. So it's all a combination of things. It's not just one thing, but it's all your beautiful traits of awareness, choice, courage, discipline. And these are like, you know, traits human traits that 
would never let you down. If you choose to live a life of these things, you will always end up living a better life than not. You will always end up living a better tomorrow than not. Mm-hmm. Wow. See my for a second. It is, and I was wanting to sort of pinpoint my curiosity over here. Um, Because I'm imagining, you know, if I'm someone with self-doubt, right? Mm. Or who is swimming in self-doubt. And yet I do not know that Mm. I have self-doubt. You know, how, how does... How did you know and know what are questions that sort of help you figure out that firstly you are swimming in that kind of environment, water? I think that's one mm. um, question that I want to ask. Mm. And then uh, after that, sort of what are maybe the first two steps mm. to sort of begin the, the upward cycle? Mm. Yeah, we can start from the voices in our head. You know, your voices? You know that? <laughs> What's the voice saying now? My voice are very gentle. Oh. And warm. I mean, again, that's just work, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we all have that. We have multiple voices in our head. And it starts there. Like, you, when you can somehow tell, or you sort of pay attention enough, you realise that there are voices that stop you. Many. And they, they do it in different ways. And you also have voices who cheer you on. Tell you what you want. Tell you what you don't like. Right? So those are the good ones that help you. But then the ones that stop you are probably the start point as to, you know, how do I begin to change? Um, so on a conscious level, let's kind of talk conscious, subconscious. I just thought this lesson yesterday. Okay. On a conscious level, you can say, I want this desire. Like, give me a goal that you are working on this year. Oh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> just, wow. Uh, I, I actually... Um, philosophical goals maybe let's make some concrete goals um, just to maintain my weight at 72 kgs okay so I want to maintain my weight right yeah, so your yeah. conscious level probably I don't know sees a number or sees a routine that you would do right so that's your conscious like you know you're thinking these thoughts okay the thing is our consciousness only determines 3-5% to of our reality or, or at least in the way that we manifest our reality Right, the other 95 to 97% is by our subconscious. So your, so your, your subconscious, like, so your conscious level now is engaging with me. Okay, you're listening and you know, you're just checked in. But your subconscious level is all the things that's picking up, like the aircon, the other people in the room, the, the carpet, your, your button, right? All that is taking data all the time, but we are not primarily aware of it. Okay, so you will have a conscious aspect of you that wants that goal. But then why is it that we still, we know we want things in our lives. Why is it we still can't get it? Because there's also another part that is aligned to a subconscious part of us that is going against our goals. So human beings only act in alignment. You're not going to act out of alignment. If I say, you know, can you you kind of take this cup and, you know, smash it on your friend's head Mm -hmm. and it's not your value, would you do it? You won't. We will not act out of alignment of who we believe ourselves to be. Unfortunately, at a subconscious level, there are many parts of us that don't believe that we can be the person we want to be. Mm-hmm. And then that, but that, and, and there is a subconscious alignment to that belief. Yeah. So how do we end up here? 
<laughs> Self-sabotage and yes, those so, that. Correct. So it happens like you so then we begin to see that happening in um how come I'm not there yet? I'm putting so much effort, I'm not there yet. So you have people who have a philosophy of, you know, how work is gonna get me there. And then suddenly sometimes some project or some goal in their life they go, I've worked so hard. Why is it not working? Why am I not there yet? Then you realize something's not working, right? You, um, uh, you know, maybe that example, sabotage, you're talking about that. Okay, you, you, you try so hard, like consciously, you're like, okay, let's sit down, let's, let's have this whole routine, let's have my, you know, my weights and everything there. And then you wake up late. <laughs> right, so there are parts of you that would abort the mission because maybe on the deeper level, you don't fully, fully, fully believe that you're somebody healthy or you're somebody strong. Mm. Or you or you don't or I have met people who go, I don't deserve it. I have so much difficulty carving out just two hours in my week for myself. I know that I can't. Why? Because fundamentally she realized that lady I just coached on Monday. I don't deserve these two hours. I don't deserve this self-love mm. time. Mm. And until you have the awareness to get there, you cannot change it. It's gonna keep running you. Yeah. And like, what would be sort of one or two stories of your process of overcoming one of these thoughts? Mm. Yeah. I think in August, I, I was traveling quite a bit. I sat down and I went, you know, where am I in my life? Where am I with my goals? Around my business, where am I with my business goals? And then I'm going to be traveling again, like for the next few months until December. So when I sat down, I realized, gosh, I have effectively one month in September. To smash my 2022 business goals because by the time I come back, it's gonna be Christmas. <laughs> so it's like, I went, God, then you better get your act together. And then, I, and then I figured, okay, what is wrong? Like, how did I end up at a point where I'm in August and I'm left with one month to smash out my goals? So that was where I realized I've been all over the place trying to fulfill what I believe to be other people's expectations of myself. So let's say, friend asked me to do, can, I, can you do this, Lynn? I'll go and do it first. I'll prioritize that. Business partner, business partner says, hey, this is not done yet. Oh, I'll go and do that. You know, my mom and my dad expect maybe, I think they expect me to be a certain mom at home, right, where the place can't be messy, my kids' toys can't be all over the place. So I'm going to pack that first to make them happy. It's always about making other people, other people happy. And it's come to a point last year, it messed up my life. Me choosing other people as a priority, I, all my priorities were pushed back. I didn't have time for myself. My health was not worked on. My goals, nothing was done, you see. So, um... So then when first step is always that awareness, which is where the role of a coach comes in, or sometimes when we have, you know, conversations with great friends mm-hmm. and we can be really honest, these are uh, you know another scenario where these things can come out and you go like, okay, wait, I'm aware of this now. Then the second step is choice. Do I want to change this? Do I want something better? There has to be that choice and then that ask of, you know, where is my alignment? Where is my desire? What do I want? So there's this whole reflection process and Eckhart Tolle said it the best way. So he's like the thought leader in living in the present. Um, and I heard one of his uh, podcasts, he said, you know, stillness, I don't quote him exactly. Oh, I don't know yeah, what he said, yeah. but he said something like stillness is the most, one of the most underrated traits, or at least that's how I interpreted it. It's one of the most underrated abilities that a person can do today to just sit still and look within because society has conditioned us to try to keep up with everything that sitting still is so uncomfortable but yet if you think about it it is so much of our human nature I mean can you imagine what our ancestor cavemen used to do like pretty much sitting around the whole day like drawing I mean it's so much part of us yet 
we have been conditioned to, to forego that because when we can do that and we find ourselves, we become powerful individuals. And that's not something that people in power want necessarily. And so that ability to have awareness and make a choice is the first step. Because when you make a choice, that's when you are making, you are getting clear about what you want to align to. Now, what happens after that is a bit of a journey. Because again, even though you consciously make that decision, you are going to have unconscious things inside or limitations or beliefs that are going to pop up along the way. And then that's where you kind of do need, you know, either a coach or you need to just constantly learn, expose yourself, you know, podcast. Like again, it's, it's just constant space for reflection that needs to happen as you kind of pivot along the way to reach your destination. And for you, how does that look like? So I, so the decision last August And if you was, don't feel, you know, no, 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 no. go to the degree that, yeah, you feel comfortable sharing. No, no. So August, I went, okay, I need to prioritize my stuff. Okay, I need to be more focused. So it was a choice to be more focused and to prioritize what I need to do. And then um, December, when I was kind of wrapping up my year and setting up my year 2023, I went, okay, that was a major lesson. How am I going to evolve it this year? How am I going to make it part of who I am as opposed to a temporary choice? So I went, okay, I, you know, I still did a lot of journaling and I went, okay, the theme for this year for me is I'm going to live unapologetically. Right? And I have a hashtag called me for me. It's not like we for she, it's me for me. Damn it. Like I need to prioritize myself. I need to ask myself what I want, what's important for me. Um, because I, 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 I mean, I was, I, my whole life, Brian, is, I mean, one of the major things I've always had to battle is being a people pleaser. It's got to me places, but it's one of those things where it gets you some things, it won't get you everywhere or everything that you want. Um, and so I had to make a conscious effort in this theme that I'm setting for myself to just stop feeling guilty, stop feeling like I need to make other people happy or to fulfill their expectations. I need to pay attention to me. Um, and so that's what gave rise to the theme. And I've really seen shifts in reality because I'm committed to it. Right? So that's where you are. Hardcore things like commitment, discipline, courage come in to kind of fight that battle that you need to fight to get stronger. Mm. And because I can imagine it is difficult to sort of like when someone asks you to do things and, you know, as a dear friend or as a parent, mm. it's hard to say no. Mm. And, it, and so how does that conversation, if you were to say no, would look like and having the posture of still wanting to keep that relationship? Mm. So this is where I had this interesting idea of you know, I, you see, being a people pleaser is an example of a main identity. We all have um, these key identities that are so much of who we are. You can't just shed off that like overnight, right? It can take years of self-development to, to maybe gain some power over these conditioning that control us. So being a people pleaser is my identity. Now, I cannot go... I don't want to be a people pleaser anymore. I'm just going to say no to people's face. I'm going to be brash. I'm going to be harsh. I'm going to be polite. I can't because, again, I can't act in alignment to somebody I don't believe I am. I do want to make people happy. So, in, so in, you know, instead of throwing that out, because you're going to set yourself up for failure. If you go, I've been like that for 20 years. I don't want to be like that anymore. That's not me. You can't, right? It's not that easy. You've made all these choices along the way. You've gained all these skills along the way that made you who you are. You can't just go, okay, I don't want to be that person anymore. But the smart thing to do is to use that. So 
So I thought about it and I went, okay, if I want to be, if I still see myself, I still want to please people, make people happy, let's do it at a bigger level where I can spend time to look after myself, like tune into my thoughts, right? Get more objectivity. Don't be so personal. Don't, you know, respond um, emotionally all the time, like driven by guilt, for example. Sit down and really have that clear space to go, okay, what's really important here? And in that question, find out what's going to benefit everybody, including me. And that is kind of evolving our identity to a next level so that it's more useful than limiting. Mm -hmm. Um, So to your question, I'll imagine saying, okay, I got that, I hear you, but not feeling I have to do it now. Uh, Be okay parking it. Be okay if the room is in a mess. Be okay if, you know, I don't get that task back to the person like for five days because that's something more important to do. And so do you tell the person then or do you like... With the close friends, so with my team, I just had a team retreat. I said, this year, this is my theme. I want to be assured that I'm still accepted by all of you, even though I feel like I have to put myself and my needs first. Mm. Right? So it's kind of like contracting again. And my business partners were very supportive. So they know that that's what I'm working on. Um, and they understand if I'm not kind of turning over the task like immediately. So this is where that, then you have the third step, right? So we spoke about awareness, choice. Right? Then we spoke about um, courage, discipline, focus. Um, and then the third thing would be, is your environment set up to help you succeed in this change that you want? Mm-hmm. Whether it's educating the people around you. Um, you know, my, my brother is on healthy eating right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I've tried it and I can never change my parents' mind about what they cook. But with my brother, because he's the youngest and he's my brother. Right. Right? My parents are like, okay, they have changed to suit his habits, his healthy eating habits. So it's about educating people around you, right? Um, if you want to lose weight, making sure that your kitchen is full of food that supports you and not goes against you. Um, structures, right? Your desk, your calendar, like these things need to be in place. And again, because not only does it help you, but when you see it, it reinforces or it tells that subconscious, hey, I, I'm an organized person. When you see the healthy food, oh, I'm, I'm a healthy person. I'm taking care of my body. So... If we were to circle back to, because you were sharing about a couple of tattoos, and <laughs> <laughs> are there any other notable ones that um, is meaningful to you that have the phoenix, mm. right? Butterfly? I think you would like this one because you want to talk about spirituality. It's very blur now, la, Hayo. but it says. Yeah. Child of the Universe. Yes, it says Child of the Universe. Um, where, where were you uh, when, and when? Oh, I can't remember when. Early, mid twenties. Okay. My friend who was training to be a tattoo artist did it for me. I, I went to her and said, "Okay, I'll support you. I'll be your first client." Which is why a bit crooked lah. <laughs> some letters being some letters, I don't care. Okay. Um, I believe you. To, I believe in being in tune with the universe. We are part of a larger system. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, we are part of a larger system. Even though, as a conscious being, we go, "I want this. I want my life to be this way," but there's so many other circumstances around us not dictated by us that affect us, right? And that is us kind of being part of the larger system, weather system, you know, system of society as a system, power as a system, um, universal laws as a system, and we can talk more about that, right? All these things we cannot run away from. I feel the smartest thing to do, even though it's the most painful thing to do sometimes because you have to drop your ego, smartest thing to to do is to go, okay, I get that. I need to flow here. <laughs> I cannot be so hung up on. Yeah, what were you hung up on then? I mean, 
No, a simple thing is, what's the hang on that? I can give you every day scenario. Because people, audiences who have kids or who uh, are going to have kids maybe, they are such a great example of nature in its pure form. When they want something, they just want it. They, they just go for it, right? There's no... They know like adults who go, oh, I want that, but should I, should I not? Is it appropriate? I don't know. I feel good. <laughs> There's all these conflicting things that come in. Kids are just, boom! They're like a whirlwind, you know? They just go wherever they want to go. And as parents, our struggle and our suffering so much is from, why don't you keep quiet? Why don't you, you know, shut up? You're making so much noise. You know, stop dirtying the place. Stop smearing the food over. And that's pretty much what happens with Yes, natural laws, laws of the universe, things that waste work or, you know, organizations or teams that we're part of, they release, you can't, everything can't go according to what you expect or you think should be. And that's where the painful part of letting go, go of the ego and going, okay, I, I will let go, I, I'll flow, I'll accept. When the loved one dies, um, it may seem unfair. I want this person to live or how can this happen? you know peace comes with acceptance that this is life, this is the way life is. You can't fight that. You, the more you fight it, the more you suffer. Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting dichotomy because on one hand, um, you know, if you were to just accept everything, then you'd just be lying there on Thank the bed, yeah. right? <laughs> lying on bed. <laughs> yeah, but then at the same time, if you want to make change, mm. then technically you are also changing sort of the dynamics around what is status quo right now. Mm, mm. So how do you see that, you know, place into you know, acceptance, place into being a change maker? Um, a recent example came up. So, um, you know, those who work in the corporate world might be familiar with this kind of scenario. There was this leader who's very driven, okay? You know, he, he's in sales. He knows what he wants. He'll go after it at all costs, okay? Which is why he's very successful. But unfortunately, one of the ways that he goes, to, he, he gets what he wants is to jump hierarchy. So if boss isn't listening to him, doesn't give him what he wants, he'll go up. Not listening to him, he'll go up. So at one point of time, he went to his boss's boss's boss, who is probably very high up there, um, in HQ and that guy was like why are you bringing this to me right this is not this is this shouldn't be brought up to me and so the conversation with him to be had with this leader was look you are now creating a mess because the whole organization is looking at you like a problem child I want what I want I know I want what I want. And then, you know you escalate until you try to get one but that's not how it's done so that's where we have to distinguish between what is ours to own Okay, we have our internal system, our choices and our behaviours are all our system. And how us as a unit acts within a larger system. And sometimes you as a unit does not fit entirely perfectly, and nobody does, frankly, fit perfectly into a system, there will be um, friction. And that is where, you know, back to what we said earlier on, when something happens and it's not going the way you want, there is a chance for you to go, wait a minute, what's, what's going on here? Kind of look at it objectively instead of being tunnel vision. You know, okay, maybe I'm not getting what I want because I'm not doing it the right way. Why am I doing, not doing it the right way? Why am I not doing right? And beginning to get aware of that and own that. So his change came when he realized that, I mean, again, right? Unfortunately, awakening comes with pain. <laughs> you can't awaken if you're lying in bed and all, all day in a cushy cushion and watching Netflix. Unless you're watching something painful. Um, that painful conversation had to be had with this leader to go, dude, you are setting you're literally set, slapping yourself in the face every time you do something like that you are 
you think you're trying to be successful, but you're now sabotaging yourself. Everybody is looking at you and going, you know, we don't want to work with this guy. So he has to make a choice to change and to fit part of himself into the system. You're not changing who you are. Sometimes, in most cases, it's just changing your behavior. But that in itself can be difficult because of our ego. You know, if I am somebody who always gets what I want, he's going to have to learn that that's just not the only thing that's going to bring him success. So that's the acceptance piece. Mm. So when you have acceptance, it's like pouring the water out of the cup. You're going, okay, I like water, but what else is there, right? Let me kind of make space for something bigger, something different. Mm. And then that's a creative process. Uh, I have a question here. Yeah, who is Gavin? Who is he? How, how, how did he came to your life and how did he... Yeah. Kelvin. Kelvin was my first mentor. He was the man who um, kind of <laughs> took me as a blurred, lost, confused 19-year-old and kind of shook me up. And that was really what I needed at the time. I mean, he is controversial in that he says things that people don't agree with, who don't want, they don't want to listen to. But we know that people who have made a difference to society or has made a difference to the world, they don't say things that people want to listen to. I was just listening to a podcast on the way here and these two multi-millionaires are saying the same thing. We say things that would trigger people because unfortunately that is the truth that many people don't want to hear, yeah. right? Or, or their egos, right? Don't want them to get that kind of awareness. So, but I needed that because I was a sheep, right? Whether it's to what was conditioned in me to the school system, to what my parents wanted on me or what I believed people wanted on me. I was a sheep. I didn't sit up and question my life. And because of that, I didn't have power over things. Mm. And he's... he's you know, I mean, it was just... Like yeah. I said, right? It was... Yeah. He knew so much more about life and about what, you know, this larger system was that made me go, there's so much more that I can learn here. Um, it wasn't one thing that he said. And it's, frankly, it's not only what was said because if a person's incongruent and they say the most brilliant things. But again, our subconscious picks up on who the person is when they say that. It was the congruency and where he's coming from that made me go, this is something new. Never know, never heard of this. What do I need to learn here? So he was my mentor. Um, he, he was my coach first. And then after that, I worked with him. I worked for him um, for like the next eight to 10 years. And that was when um, I started off as a cl client or a coachee. And then in that period, I made that journey to be a coach and to be a damn, one good, at, damn good one at that. And I also learned the business of coaching. And I also had got the opportunity um, through his organization to impact hundreds of lives. It's, if not for all that, I would not be who I am today. I mean, I, I, there's two paths there. One to, you know, that we could go down that I'm interested in is, you know, your journey to, you know, your coaching success now. And then, of course, uh, not doing that uh, anymore. Uh, well, maybe, who knows, maybe after that, you go back to it. Uh, and then another path that's kind of interesting is also, yeah, when you know you should uh, move on. Well, how do, how do I say this in a way that it's, uh, okay, I mean, okay, what you, I can, say, you can cut afterwards also. I know, I know. What, what I would say is, you can never plan it. You can never say, okay, um, I'm going to do this for five years, and then after five years, I'm going to do that. You can maybe um, kind of have a rough sense, like I might want to try this for five years, but to say, you know, okay, I'm going to stop this for five years, you never know, because again, life happens. <laughs> 
And um, how do you know when it's ready? You just know. I think life has a very funny way to prepare you when there's change that is going to happen. Um, I'll use my example as a mom. Okay, so I breastfeed or I breastfed my children. And breastfeeding for many moms is a very intimate, you know, it's a very intimate experience. Like your child, it's just really you and your baby and it's it. Um, and it's very common to hear mothers, um, you know, get emotional when it's a child's last breastfeeding experience, right? Because it means that the child's grown up, it's time to move on, change is happening. Um, what I realized was it wasn't so uh, melodramatic in my case, right? I was like, okay, I'm aware my many mothers go through this. I don't know how I'll feel. Um, interestingly, the few kind of, you know, leading up to the time when I'm going to stop, because I, kind of I kind of plan, okay, I'll breastfeed them until about two years and we'll see what happens. So leading up to two years, there will be things that begin to happen. For example, babies bite. They bite your nipple when they're drinking milk and it's painful, okay? And so when it happens all the time, you're like, it increases your will to go, you know what, this needs to stop because now it's hurting me, right? Or, um, you know, just with my first and second child, it would just somehow, it would get uncomfortable physically or somehow the sleeping arrangements would change or the child's temperament would change to then prepare you for the change. And if you are sort of in tune with that and you begin to pick it up and realize that change is already happening, then that's where, when it's time to go, okay, right, I'm, I can let go. You're actually already prepared. Life actually prepares you. There are many people I spoke to who have gotten into accidents. Um, and you go, you know what, actually looking back, the signs were already there. It, whether I pay attention to, to it or not, or whether they pay attention to it or not, is a different thing. But things actually happen leading up to the change. When in an organization, you know there's change coming when people are beginning to resign. More people are resigning. There's more unhappiness, okay? Like, you see these things happening. Okay, change is happening. Something's going to happen. Am I, what, are, what should I be prepared for? What does, for a professional change, what are some of the signals? Mm, mm. So there are two. There's, like, negative and positive. So negative common ones are, like, um, dissatisfaction. I'm not happy here. The culture here doesn't fit me. Um, you know, I'm struggling. So I thought that I wanted to say set up a health business, but why am I struggling so much? Because sometimes it's it's an ideal, it's a good idea, something that you know I feel I need to do. But then internally, you realize it's only going through it. You realize, wait a minute, this is not me. Um, so those are like examples of negative drivers. But you also have positive ones, and they may not be exclusive. They can happen at the same time. Um, more positive ones that go. You know what? Actually, I realize I really I hear this all the time. Uh, with leaders who come to me to learn coaching skills. They say, actually, I realize I love working with people. I love the part where I'm working with people. I love making a difference to people. I love seeing people develop. I want to become better at that. So it's a pursuit of an emerging passion or an emerging curiosity. Sometimes people go like, hmm, kind of, kind of like that. Let me explore it a little bit more. And those are things that we also want to pick up on because they lead us to that next Step yeah. that next change, that next level, mm. that next piece of work we need to do for ourselves. We are, as human beings, we need to evolve. And in a way, and I'll come to this, yeah. in a way, we are supported to evolve. Yeah. Right? And so if we're able to tune into that, we will evolve naturally and quite painlessly. Mm. But when we resist, again, the flow or the nature of the larger system, 
it's very, it's very painful. Is there a moment in your life where you resisted? Um, oh yeah, many. (laughs) (laughs) How did that? Um... I don't think my resistance was huge. Well, maybe or either I can't remember it now. But um, okay, well, resistance to motherhood was a big thing. A big thing. You mean like to give birth to become to... a mother? Was I was not prepared? On the identity. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes, you nailed it. The identity of a mom or something. I I never identified with my whole life. And when I found out I was pregnant, I'm like, I cried for two two hours. <laughs> so there was a huge resistance. Yeah. Um, like, months to get like over. How? You mean like, what is it about the identity that was so, you know, painful for you to, to you know, to assume or to let go? To assume, to assume the identity of the mom because um, I assumed that it would mean my, my, my career was picking up at the time. So I cried because I wasn't prepared and I cried because, oh my God, what's going to happen to my career? I identify with somebody who has ambitions. I want to, you know, be successful in making a difference to people. That is my definition of my career, my work, my life work. Ah, oh, I'm pregnant, and I'm gonna give up, and I'm two after children, and I, I never in my life looked at moms and wonder what it's like to be them. I never looked at kids and go, oh, I still have them. Quite opposite, actually. So now suddenly be faced with the fact that I'm gonna to have to become that. It was tough. <laughs> I can imagine, and. And is it just sort of a moment of boiling point and you, there's nothing you could do but to just sort of let it out? <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, I mean, what are you going to do? I don't believe in abortions. I'm not going to do that, right? So if I want to support life in me, I'm going to have to kill my ego that is telling me I cannot do this. Mm. And yeah. And how did that, you know, I wait, let me see. Huh? Yeah, okay. How did that sort of transited to I'm on a tree now. <laughs> <laughs> Biologically, it's not, biology is different from identity, right? <laughs> My body can keep popping babies, but then whether I accept it or not, it's a different thing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, you know, and like I said, identity takes a long time to change, yeah, right? We can yeah. make constant choices along the way to weaken or strengthen our identity. Um, with, you know, in terms of being a mother, it's taken a long time and it's something that you kind of never really stop working at it. I believe it's the same for being a leader, being a coach, right? These are ever-evolving roles. You will never ace it. Um, and so even after my second child, when I was expecting my third child, I had a psychic ask me this question. Lynn, what needs to be different about this pregnancy? And I was stumped for a week. I would go to sleep every night. I would think, oh my God, what needs to be different about this pregnancy? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Until I realized something and I broke down and cried for an hour on my bed at night I was crying and sobbing because I had realised that I was never prepared for motherhood and because my first pregnancy was very tough mm-hmm. before and after um, it all the more made me feel like I was a victim as a mom um, and I took it out on my kids my husband got it very bad um, I would beat myself up so you know the way to deal with it is to kind of beat everything around you because there's just so much conflict within mm-hmm. And that was the thing that I needed to change. It was a question that made me go, okay, um, I want to stop being a victim as a mom. I want to be a powerful mother. I need to accept, and I want to accept that I can be a mom, somebody who's nurturing, and I never, ever wanted to see myself that way. Funny thing is, it's who I am, but I never wanted to identify as being as soft and loving and nurturing. 
Now I don't have a problem saying that, but I, I had to visualize myself as I can be nurturing and I can be powerful. And I want to be both. Maybe that's where the tattoo thing comes in, right? Because there is an evolved version. You should never ask yourself, which one do I want to be? You're not, we're not built to be small. We think we're small, but we're not built to be small. Never make choices of, should I have one or the other? I think one of the interview questions was one of these you know, pieces of advice that lead people the wrong way. Well, you got to choose, right? You can't have your cake and eat it. Oh, you have to choose either this or that. Maybe in reality, you have to start with something first, but you never go, I am not big enough. Let me cut myself and just fit myself to that. Never. So that was the choice that I made. I want to be powerful and nurturing. And that's lean version, you know, I don't know, three, four, five, six, right? <laughs> Changed wow. quite a lot along the way. Yeah. And you just got that realization from pondering about that question um, of the of religion of like, do you have been a victim? Mm. Mm. You wouldn't know, like, uh, yeah, it's funny because it's like, there isn't, you know, you would think that after MCC and, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. If all the, I'm aware, I, 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 I help people get aware of themselves, but it's back to fish in water. I can see that my water is dirty. I don't mm. like the constant fights with my husband. Mm. I don't like the, you know, the impatience with my children. I can see these things happening. I couldn't change it. Did you, did you, um, so you already noticed the fights? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm not happy, but right. there's no other way I knew to be. There's no other person I knew to be yeah. than to just try to cope. And did you actually did anything to, um, you know, um, to do the fights differently or to mitigate or eliminate the fights? And, and what did you do and how did that not help? So there would be maybe like little conscious habits like, okay, let me just try to be a bit more patient with my children. Let me just try to uh, be, more, be a bit more patient with my husband. Yeah, maybe I'm not explaining things enough. So every day, like day to day, there will be these little incremental changes. Yeah. Um, but the victimization is the water around the fish. I did not know that I saw myself as a victim. That was the role that I placed myself in this system of my family. How does victimhood leads to fights? It's your fault. Why am I doing all this? Huh? I have to take care of the children. I have to clean the place. I have to pick up their toys. I have to, you know, look after the answer to teachers. Then what about you? Huh? You get to go and work. Right? Blame. Blame. Um, um, it, it's whatever a victim says, right? It's not my fault. It's your fault. How come you get to do that? I don't get to do that. Mm. Uh, oh, poor me. Look at me. <laughs> then it comes to angst, yeah. frustration. <laughs> and, oh, nobody understands. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's very dramatic. But the drama feels so real. But it is. It's as real yeah. as it needed to be, right? Yeah. And so, and then after you realize that, right? How did, like, how do you, how do you like? What changed? Like, yes, it yeah. is a realization that okay. I'm hurting the very people I love. My husband, my kids, myself. So, and then that's where the incongru- uh, incongruency comes in. Right? Like, but the thing is still there, right? The, 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 the mess. The, the mess. mess, yes, yeah. yes. And he's still not doing the things that you want yes, him to do. Yes, yes. And so now you say, okay, I'm not a victim. You know, I'm a you know, creator of my life. I can, yes, I can make a choice. Right. Yeah. And how did 
So like, wait, you just go clean up the mess? Yeah. Maybe it's just more peaceful, more neutral, huh. more choice. Stop, stop blaming him. I, I don't want to cycle being a victim anymore, so I will either just do it myself or ask him to do it nicely or I'll get the kids to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So suddenly more options open up versus yeah. like, oh, I need to do it myself, you see, I'm so poor thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of, again, we are in alignment, so I am acting to align to I'm a victim. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I mean, the math is still there. So you, uh, so there's more options, yeah. and then you exercise those options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess then, so the problem is still solved both way when you're a victim and you're not a victim. Is that true? Because you know you would be angst and clean up the thing. Yeah. But now you have more options to maybe get. It's not only that. Every, okay. every time I clean up, I stab myself because I'm angry. Do you imagine over three years or four years I've not whatever five years I've had children and I stab myself every time I get angry at my husband or my kids versus the mess is still there even if I choose to pick it up I don't stab myself. Oh, so it's the it's the, the self harm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And every time you stab yourself, you reinforce that oh it's so painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you see, I'm in so much pain. And so let's say okay. So what's a okay? So same thing, and you don't stab yourself. It would it would be like oh, I have a, I make that choice of having the mess there. Also, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so if I want to change, I'll you know I can have all these options. Yeah. And I'll just go exercise those options. Yeah. And no problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's it. Isn't that yeah. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Ah. And how does okay? So then, if your kids still like go crazy and you know do the things that you know that you don't want them to do, then how does the the, the thing look like? I mean, there's always an awareness piece. Of course, I will get triggered. I'm not like perfect mom. Like, no, I mean, like, like human. I think Eka also got triggered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so triggers will happen. Uh, yeah. I think as a mom, I believe as very much a leader. And in fact, leaders of our life, we first need to own our trigger. Right? Nobody can be responsible for what triggers us. Um, so it's both the awareness, the acceptance that, okay, triggers will happen. Um, the choice to be as aware as I can about those. Um, and the thing that the choice I had was to just stop hurting the people around me. I believe, you know, it's very contrary to my people-pleaser identity. Right? I want to make people happy. And yet at the same time, why am I hurting them and making them unhappy? So that's where the misalignment makes me go, this is not, this is not right. This is weird. Like, so what am I aligned to? What is my alignment to myself? I want to love people. I want to make them happy. So stop mm. acting contrary. That's a, that's a period of depression when you're 22, you mentioned. Um, or is there, you know, like, <laughs> like nothing wrongly. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. What's that? Okay, I would say there are two. Uh, there, there were two moments in my life. So it was like twenty eight, and then I was twenty two. There was a yes. There was a no before I was involved in coaching. So 18, oh, 18, 19. 18, 19. and then after that, about ten years later. Yeah. So if I let's double click on the ten years later. Please. Okay. Okay. Because you've been through it, the rodeo before. Okay. Oh. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, like, tell me the story of like. What happened? Where are you in your life? Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
I had uh, spent the first 10 years of my, you know, 20s, okay, um, being very involved in coaching, uh, building a coaching business, you know, learning the ropes and stuff like that. Mm. And then I decided that I wanted to pursue uh, a passion I've always had, a bucket list item, which was to set up a professional business. So I did that. Uh, my best friend and I did that for about two to three years. Mm-hmm. And then we closed it down. Okay. And so, you know, after that, there was this whole sort of, you know, different sort of odd jobs, helping different people in their businesses. I was still sort of coaching on the side. I would still have people come to me. But then I was involved in different businesses. Also, and you're not coaching at that time of mainly anymore? Or? No, I've never been, or at least I've never told people I mainly coach and that's how I earn my money. Oh! I, I like running businesses. I like the business aspect of it. So, you know, coaching is something I do yeah. and I can do on the side. But even if I run a coaching business, I must always be involved in the business. I like the business part. Oh. Because it fulfills the question of how do I impact more people? That's right. You can't do one to one to one to one and then, uh, I mean, not only does money come in slow, your impact is so slow. <laughs> so I'm obsessed about how do I build platforms that impact people at scale okay so that requires yeah the business part and yeah so so as i was doing that you could say that i was lost again um and i spent you know i think why did you why do you feel that why do you feel you're lost because i i think there's multiple negative experiences that happened um in the different businesses Okay. Right, so like sort of business. life lessons I had to learn. Right, this, yeah, that didn't work out yeah. entirely, and I fell out with my best friend. Where, where, where? On good terms, are we still okay. now? No, we work together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Huh. But at the time, I felt like I, I lost her. I, you know, the business didn't work. Uh, we didn't make back money. Um, and then when I went to work, you know, with different people, you know, clashes with them, different expectations. Uh, you know, yeah, sacked for the wrong reason, which I only realized after that. Right, being accused for things like so. All these were. I felt life lessons I needed to learn. And frankly, I won't be, I won't have the success I have now without those lessons. So it was painful. It's kind of like we have cycles. Okay, tell me about those lessons. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. double click on those. Um, so, do we start the business or are we done with that? So, uh, you can double click on that. Like maybe add a bit more texture and colors to. I mean, okay, so the fashion business. So we actually had a retail store. So things were like for real, right? We were manufactured clothes overseas, da da da. And I think um, we went into partnership because of because we felt that we are kind of like we're very similar. Okay, there's a lot of synergy between us. Unfortunately, that was also what caused a lot of clashes. And um, because even though we were similar in say personality and dreams and character, she had a very different idea was, um, from what I had and, and vice versa. Okay, okay so. Um, when it came, yeah, so when it came down to, you know, things like uh, money decisions or, you know, um, decisions to whether we produce more, spend more, how much do we earn, how much do we charge, um, that's where the clashes begin to happen. Okay. And then at the time, we were both not prepared or we weren't educated with this, right, because it was our first partnership together. So then that's when the relationship lines kind of get collapsed. So um, she's somebody who doesn't really talk things out. And then if you don't talk it out to me, I, I'm kind of like tunnel vision. So I would just do my thing. <laughs> and then it just gets worse that way. So so I think the major lesson out of that was, you know, friendship. There are certain rules that makes friendship flourish. There are certain rules that make business partnerships flourish. And you have to be very clear about those things. Right now, my current business are with friends. 
my entire team are my friends for like from like 10, 20 years. And it works because we are clear about this line. Okay, tell me about that line. <laughs> uh, understanding different roles, different expectations come with different roles. Friendships, okay, the easiest thing is like languages of love. Have you heard of that? Right? So yeah, so those are examples of what feeds a, say, a, a friendship or a romantic relationship. Like you do these things, I will feel loved. Frankly, relationship is very mechanical. A lot of people think that relationship is this, oh, this romantic thing or this unexplained sort of destiny, synergy. Oh, you no. get along. No, you know. And, and in the longer, longest relationships you have with your parents, your best friends, your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, you know it takes a lot of effort to work. Romance is just part of it. A lot of it is working the right thing. Talking, communicating, you know, doing acts to feedback into relationship. And, you know, and so it's just simply saying, Friendship as a role has these rules and expectations. Business partnerships have these rules and expectations. And as long as we, as a unit, decide and agree this is how we make it work, it will work. So what are the questions you, or things you think about now and make it more explicit that you do now in this, this than you didn't do back then? And you know, for a person who's going into the first partnership, what are some things that they could be conscious and talk it out first? Okay. Um, I think the biggest thing is realizing, like really realizing, not theoretically, that people are different from me. Okay, and this is actually part of, because um, I studied motivations, and we are driven by our values. Okay, so whatever that is valuable to you is part of the water around the fish. To you, it's so important, therefore you create your life based on that, that value. Unfortunately, it gives us also blinkers. We assume, and this is across everybody, we assume that it's important to us, therefore it's important to you. Okay, so for example, if um, communication is important to me, I'm a communicator, I like to communicate, I believe, and I have philosophies, right? I believe that communication helps to iron through all these conflicts. And you're not like that, okay? That's why I'm going to assume that because communication is the most natural thing for us to do, you should be doing it too. Why are you not doing it? You're not happy how you didn't bring it up, right? <laughs> so, that's where assumptions happen and I made that um, assumption with my first business partner. Because she's like me, we're so similar, I assume that naturally she will whatever, make the same decisions or she'll think like me, right? Um, with this group of business partners now, we're very I'm very clear, they're not like me. And in fact, that's where embracing diversity comes in. You know what? You're really good at that. And in that area, I will listen to you, I will respect your decisions or I would learn from you. Right? Or you hit that part and I will support. Right? So it's very clear what we're good at. And in embracing diversities, when different people act up differently, let's say something doesn't go according to plan, everybody's going to have different re- responses and reactions. Mm-hmm. So embrace it and go, I'm not, you know, I'm not, now I'm seldom triggered by that you're unhappy. I'm curious. What is the perspective you're seeing that I'm not seeing? Because I'm Lynn. But you're Brian. Brian sees Brian's perspective and there's probably some truth in that. I want to know what it is. Yeah. And it's that distinction of taking things personal versus being really objective. Yeah. It feels like, unfortunately, that is one of those hard lessons mm-hmm. in life that even if you knew it up front, like you still <laughs> to go through it to get burned into your bones. Totally, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically right now, it seems like, firstly, you know that, right? You know it's different. And then instead of, you know, going against, you, you, you go one step beyond. Mm. You go 
I'd be curious. And how can mm. this be an additive thing mm. to the business and to you know myself and say increasing self awareness mm. and the relationship too. Mm. So yeah. both the business, the friendship, and yourself both both flourish yeah. if once you can hold the perspective of you know they are different and they could be helpful. Yes, but can I add uh, important disclaimer? Yes, yes. Um, I choose to do it that way because I have a philosophy that I operate from which is if I take care of the people, the business will be taken care of. Right? So in my organization right now, Collective Change Institute, and I say this all the time, what's important is the relationship. Okay? Because we this works because we're doing it together. Um, and um, we invest in the relationships, naturally the business will work. But then I would say a lot of times business owners focus on what? Is the operations working? Is the money coming in? Money's not coming in. And then the relationships take a back seat. But what drives the business? Yeah, you have, you know, the system of a business, but what, are your robots driving the business? It's not. It's people. You don't take care of the people, they're not going to take care of the business. So because there is an explicit, I guess, philosophy and an understanding and agreement that the team has, which is why we are open to each other and go, you're different from me, but I want to learn, I want to see. Right? The focus is not on how come you didn't do that, right? Because that directly impacted sales. You didn't bring in the sales. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And if let's move it back to mm. the business, right? Mm. So that happened. Mm. And how did it escalate to such a painful thing for you? Oh, it was my birthday that oh. year. It's birthday. And that year, I ended, you know, I didn't make a choice, but that somehow that year on my birthday, I was kind of... At night, I remember in a cab or something, driving past, like, the Singapore Flyer. And when this was the year, I think it's uh, 2012, I lost my best friend. So her way of... <laughs> I also now am wise that people deal with things differently. La. So her way of dealing with it was she went to get a job in China. So she literally ran away from the business from me. I lost my best friend. I I lost my... Um, my, my tribe, my mentor... Um, because that was also the year I finished off my last role with my previous organization. And so, and then I think at the time, I was also beginning to go through some uh, rough, it's not entirely rough, but disagreements with my boyfriend, my now husband, because we were already like two years into the relationship. Whatever, I mean, all the different, like, money or like, different, because we're very very, very different people. And so, I was going like, shit, this is so freaking miserable. All the important people in my life are just... Not with me. But I also knew that I had a feeling that, that this next phase of my life was to build my own independence. Because I, I, I often closely tie my identity to other people. Um, I knew that I need to find strength being on my own two feet. So we double-click on the boyfriend if it's okay? Sure. That, that, that yes. <laughs> um... You never create a lot of things. You better remember all the folders that you opened. Yeah. I roughly yeah. remember lah. It's still like the other two businesses and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember what's before everything. <laughs> <laughs> Depression. You know, Depression yeah, yeah. Well, but you will lead to that. So, what? So, disagreements are normal. Mm. Right? Uh, again, that's another thing that you need to burn into the bones <laughs> for any relationship. Uh, so how did how did those disagreements worked out in a way that made him became your husband? 
I, I knew it's going to be my husband from the start, right? Oh. <laughs> Which is why there was that commitment for both of us to work through the disagreements. Yeah. Okay. We kind of knew right from the start that um, we want to be together. Mm. And, and like, so, so let's say you have that strength, like that commitment is the strength, you know, mm. to pull you through, right? And so what are the, the, the technical, like tactical, you know, things that, you know, people should not be sweeping under the rug or people should be like, you know, talking about and, you know, what are those like? Okay, when faced with disagreements? Yeah, like, what, what, maybe pick one or two, yeah, pick one, yeah. Call one, call one, yeah. Okay, okay, I hear this all the time in uh, my coach training. Women will say, when I have an issue, I just want to talk, right? How come my husband isn't listening to me? Every time I want to sh- share something, I don't want his solution, but he keeps giving me his solution. And then the man will say, I yeah, this is very easy to solve, you know, you just have to do this really well. Why do you have to make it such a big deal? Very like common Venus and Mars kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. disagreement, right? <clears throat> so styles of communication, styles of conflict resolution, um, I had to learn that my husband is just somebody who... Um, wants to like finish it fast and just end it that night. Okay? At worst, I would just, oh, I just need to keep like, uh, it, no, sorry, opposite. Oh, I, yeah. I will, want to finish it, huh? I will want to finish it. Like, I must talk through this thing and we must work out this thing even if it takes two, three hours. <laughs> and he's the kind of like, yeah, we see first like tomorrow we talk about it. And I'm like, mm, right? So, um, I had to, I think the tactic you're asking is, uh, you know, it's realizing that people operate different from you. Okay, then back okay. to the business lesson. It's back to the business lesson. I mean, you're in a relationship, whatever relationship it is, there has to be that space where you're going, this is what I need, but I also recognize what you need. And you know, there are non-negotiable lines. You push that too much, the person's going to snap. Do you really want a person to snap? You know, so... So yeah, so it's, it's also voicing your need and recognizing that person's need. So I would tell my boyfriend at the time, look, I, I, I cannot sleep. I kind of need to land somewhere. Okay, but I also know you want to sleep already. So can we just maybe just talk through this part? And you can't come to a compromise. Compromise. Right. Yeah. Right. And and sort of now that has that sort of been the after after that chat or the, the, the No, right? Oh, it doesn't oh, work that way. Oh, oh, it changes. <laughs> it changes because life stages happen. Right, right, so right. you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, you work out things a certain way. Okay? After marriage, and especially if like say you move into your own house. We have never, but you know, the rules, the environment change, the rules change, right? We grow as people. Then our expectations, our way of working also needs to update, right? Um, when you have one child, second child, child, third child, all those need updating. In fact, December, over December and the first week of January, we have been arguing a lot. We finally arrived on a, a something, but the arguments are needed to go, what's an old operation, way of operating, that does not work anymore now that we have three children and we have businesses, multiple businesses each of us run. What is old is not going to fit. So that's where friction happens. Oh. And the, the thing to do is fight it out, <laughs> talk it out, and then see where it meets, where so, it settles. So I can assume that because you have this you know, lens of, wow, this is great, I'm going to learn so much things. <laughs> I still resist, right? So, I like, oh, fight again. <laughs> that day, I just blame him. You see, we're supposed to have a nice breakfast, and you brought this out, and now we have to fight again. <laughs> <laughs> there will still be that 
people again place things on you and then you know I so I realized you know this is not me this is not what I did I'm not in the wrong and to kind of remove that guilt and that blame that I was putting on myself um, to find my own two feet right so can you describe your inner world um, when all that event uh, came together um, my inner world I last week you know when you are um there's this thing called scapegoating. Like if you learn like group dynamics or systemic, you know, in a system, there will be a scapegoat. So scapegoat is like maybe the dustbin in the whole office. Like every, everything that people don't want goes there. And unfortunately, it happens in group dynamics. There will be scapegoats in a group, um, like your omegas in a group, like the ones that people make fun of, they are the scapegoats. And so in, in, when you're in that position, you feel weak because you don't have strength to fight against the system because majority is majority against one. It's not a nice place to be. And unfortunately, in my previous organization, I made somebody a scapegoat too. And so now feeling that position, I went, shit, it's a horrible place to be. I never want to ever make somebody a scapegoat and never do I, I want to be a scapegoat either. And that brought about maybe a more conscious way of uh, forming, leading, managing, and being part of a team where we want to respect everybody as equal individuals and who lead in different ways. And if there's anything that we're not happy about, it's you know working it through as opposed to just labeling, oh, it's, it's that person. Mm, mm, got it. Um, and so how did that healing sort of process look like for you? And how's it like, contrasting it to you know, the period before that? It took a long time. And, and frankly, it took like a different... Oh, <laughs> kind of realizations oh. throughout, like, I don't know, maybe three or four years. Um, and, 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 and it, you know, the, it's kind of like when somebody passes away, you have that operational you first, right? Okay, let's just get through this, sort things out, da, da, da. And then the grief kind of sets in, like, why, why, like that? And, you know, the, the unacceptance of it. And then when it's accepted, it kind of evens out. And then other things in life happen. So there were other things in my life happening that also kind of built me up. And I think that was needed to then have the occasional, oh, actually, that, you know, now that I learned this here, actually, that's not right. That <laughs> You apply it, you know, to different areas of your life and you contrast and go like, oh, okay, wait a minute, that didn't make sense now. It didn't even, it's not making more and more sense. So, as a, and then as a result, I got stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because my husband's a very practical person, so at least he, he reinforces that part. Because I take things too personally, but he goes like, no, this is... You know, objectively speaking, or maybe this is what you should do. This is you, this is not you. So that was really helpful as well. Mm, wow, three to four years. But you were still functioning on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. So it was, just a, yeah, it was yeah. just a particular thing, but it wasn't sort of that depression that oh, I was going to, through. The, the deep, I mean, it, it sounds like a big word to something that... Yeah. I, I know people go through like massive depression now. That's right. But the, 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 the nature of this, this depression I was going through was more like a lostness. So because I was going through different jobs, I kind of knew what I liked. I mean, I still, okay, I want to make a difference to people. But there was nothing I could lean on. No mentor, no spiritual um, school of thought. Nothing. I had, I had nothing in my life that I could anchor on. Um, and so every day I was just, you know, bored. Like depressed, sitting there going like, what am I... What am I living for? What, you know, what's my purpose? And, and, and because I couldn't answer that question and I couldn't see any light, it jacked on for about two, three years. So you kind of go through the motion, you would eat, you know, you do some work, but you're not there. You're not 
fully in what you do. It's constant questioning of, actually, I don't like this. Why am I doing this? So much, and there's so much drag to doing things. And then because I couldn't find something I like to do and I wasn't good at it, and I couldn't be good at it, you know, my bank account was going... <laughs> at one point of time, it was like $100 uh, every, every week. Like, yeah, for a moment of time, I never went past below zero, lah, but 100 <laughs> wow. But your husband is still there, like, but it's just your... Like... This is... Yeah, yeah, yes. At that time, we were just married, I think. Oh, okay. Or just about to get married. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was that period. That's the, that's so I got married. No, when I got married, I was beginning to up, go up already. That was the same year I got my master's certificate. Coach. Yeah, my MCC certification. So it was before that. Oh. And he has just started his business. So, you know, he's kind of figuring out his own thing. Yeah. Which was me. Wow. Yeah. And so if you were to sort of give some, you know, go back in time and give that Lynn some, you know, five minutes, what would you tell that Lynn? I'm not sure if there's anything to tell. I mean, I think we take on the journeys that we take on for a reason. Mm-hmm. I would just, I would just hold space for her, I think, which I don't do enough of for myself. Um, and when I say hold space, it means just being okay that this is okay. It's part of, I, I frankly think many people go through these moments in their life and yet because it's not what we are conditioned to it's not what we're conditioned to believe life should be. Life should be, oh, there's many things going on, one after another, I'm seeing success, I'm seeing achievements, I've got goals, you know, I've got money, I can shop. And no, that's just, that's not all to life, right? I know I've met many people and of course many people who go through this lull where nothing makes sense. They don't know who they are. They don't agree with everything and everybody around them. You know, they're really sort of, and, and, we, and nature has that, right? Pockets where animals go into solitude to heal. Um, to you know, cut everything like oh, there was this poem. <gasps> I can't remember his name now. Uh, on Walden's pond, um, and his poem was really about um, I you know I love to go through woods because there he said in that space you cut everything out in your life that does not matter to find what really matters, and these are moments where uh, it's an opportunity to do that, but it requires that we take away all the this is not right, I shouldn't be like this, why am I like that, I'm bad, you know, I'm so lousy, you know, and I think that's where real clinical depression can set in, Um, because it's wrong that I'm wrong, it's bad that I'm bad, right, it's a double loop, right, shit happens in life, but the moment you go, well, um, it it shouldn't be this way, and it's because of me, you're you're binded. Yeah, yeah. So, if you, you know, you hold space for this person. If you find someone to hold space for you, how does, like, you know, if I imagine someone who, you know, have someone who's stuck, you know, going through this right now, mm-hmm. how does that look like? <coughs> it's okay. It's okay. That's what I'll just, and, and because I went through that, sometimes when people are lost, I tell them, you know what, it's, it's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your life because things are not working out. It is part of a natural cycle. Everything in life happens. Destruction is part of the natural cycle in life. You cannot just keep creating and keep building on and on and on and not expect something to give. Um, So those are moments we are in a destructive cycle in our life and it's okay. Embrace it. You know, destroy it. By all means. Reflect, whether it's through reflection or whether it's through clearing your house or, you know, getting rid of your clothes, right? That's part of that self-search. And eventually you'll find what you're looking for. 
There you go. I think maybe a, a good question would be, what's your upbringing, your spiritual upbringing? Then? And then how's that different from now? Zero spiritual upbringing. <laughs> and zero religious background. So my parents were free thinkers. Um, I think they also explored a little bit in their lives. Like I remember being brought to church. I was brought to um, you know different forms of that. Uh, but they never really stuck to something. And, and I like that. I appreciate that. Uh, so, so nothing when I was growing up. Um, when I became a coach, I realized that the different, you know, eventually what we believe in is all part of a system that we choose to uh, take on or we choose to be a part of. Okay, So whether it's a particular religion or even spirituality as, a, as an idea, as a practice, it's still... A system, you have your rituals, you have your beliefs, right? So whatever works for people, um, to me, I've seen it work for, different things work for many people. So to me, there isn't one. Mm. To me, it's just what helps you become your best self. So what worked for you? So I, um, I think what was awakened in me was probably this relationship with nature. And um, <clears throat> it's it, it probably linked more to shamanism, uh, which is that relationship to natural elements, your wind, your sun. I, as in, I noticed those things give me energy, especially wind, where, you know, when it's strong winds, torrential rain, like, whoa, I love the wind. It gives me so much energy. And so knowing that and following that, okay, I, okay right. So if it gives me energy, let's go out more. And then you begin to explore this relationship to, to Earth, Mother Earth, natural elements. Um, so I think it started from there. And then I began to realize that I get insights or I get ideas when I am, you know, in communicating. Or <laughs> Some people are like, what? Okay, but yeah, I guess communicating with nature, I get bigger ideas. I get bigger thoughts. I get thoughts that don't belong to small Lin or limited Lin. Okay, um, and different people call it different things. What, like, like what, so people would say, it's, kind of, you know, God talking to you. Uh, people would say it's a, it's a spark, right? Um, I mean, it could just be an idea, a practical idea. It could be a voice that says, you know, um, like, okay, you, you're, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Right? So even though I got this tattoo child of the universe, like, there were many moments um, in my life subsequently where I would look at it and go like, yeah. And so one of it was on a boat right back from the... Um, I went snorkeling in what's that? Uh, Australia, Great Barrier Reef, and uh, we were on the ferry back, and then there's the wind in my hair and the ocean, and we we're like trying to spot dolphins and the sky and everything. And I felt in that moment that I am in my element, like this is me. I feel so harmonious, in harmony with all this. That's that was for me. Different people, different things work. But in that moment, I go, I'm part of this. I'm taken care of um, by the universe. The universe has everything I need. Um, and one wise teacher I brought in for a conference two years ago said, the universe is benevolent. It, you know, it, it has everything you need. It's just whether you believe you deserve it, right? This is where all the human limitations come in. Yeah. yeah. So that's, then I pursue that even more. Wow. So just being open to... Very cool, very cool. Yeah. I think, yeah. So when I spoke to you the last time, you were like, oh yeah, I just uh, charged, you know, 1,005 an hour. Um, so... What are the steps to get to that? I mean, I'm based also on the... I, I know people who charge like 10k a month, right? Retainer and all. 
But I think um, for others, it's just so out of their mind uh, that that they're like, you know, like, I wouldn't pay that. Why would mm, someone mm, pay that? Mm. Um, but so I think so giving them that context would be um, helpful as a possibility. Okay, so I started off for majority of the years of my coaching journey charging very little. What very little? Uh, 50. Okay, sometimes it's a favor. Oh. Like exchange. Oh, okay, nice. sometimes it's like, uh, okay, I, I, I want to help you as a friend, you just buy me coffee. Okay, 80, 50, 100, 200, 300. Like, even 300 was inching on like, oh, this is so much you need. I can be paid so much. Um, so the first, how long have I been coaching? So let's say I've been coaching about almost 20 years already. Yeah, what are the milestones of like yeah. the different internal thing that you believe you get this the amount that I set that yeah. be comfortable sharing it with someone? Okay, so 2000, I started uh, coaching <clears throat> officially about 2005. It was only in 2015 I started to charge more, aka, I don't know, three, four hundred um, uh, per hour. So 10 years later? 10 years later, yes. I mean, there was a lot of self-issues to work through first. You know, the whole, I, I'm not deserving. Blah, blah, blah. And then there was also because the profession was at its infancy, nobody knew what coaching was. Why would they pay for it? There wasn't enough education done at that time. <clears throat> Frankly, really, and coaching only came up like on the scene. Uh, so about 2000. 16, 17, yeah. Um, so so there was that market demand, market and education was also missing. Yeah, so we just kind of just get by, lah, okay? Yeah. So it actually took, um, and I'm very grateful for benefactors in my life. All the times my life jumped is because of a benefactor. So this benefactor saw what she recognized what I could do and she brought me into the corporate world. And specifically more... I tend to get the ones where they go, okay, this team is dysfunctional. Can you turn them around? This leader is, you know, wow, tons of toxic behaviors. Can you turn him around? Because his upper management is going, look, you better change all else. So it's not just, I don't know, practical, action-oriented coaching. There's a certain psychology type to it, right, which is where the transformation happens. And somehow, because of my past in life coaching and transformation coaching, it was what I, the element that I brought into executive coaching or, you know, the action-oriented, solution-oriented type coaching. And that's what caused results fast. So, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so number one, somebody brought me in. So what I could do, you go do that. I did this, oh, it was very, very confronting gig. I was flown to Jakarta. I had one day to turn around a founding team who was on the verge of, uh, on the verge of divorce. <clears throat> they are one of the largest media companies in Indonesia and they've been battling it out inside for a long time and they were okay my last resort is a coach like, what? you mean? Uh, I'm supposed to turn the team out in one day and it's their last resort I'm gonna say, I did it anyway and then people saw that difference so that's where the reference started to come okay so <clears throat> so for me it took external validation mm. say you know what you're them good in this why are you charging this why? you know I've got options for you let me bring you out and I know part of my formula in my life has always been better. Um, so I go with that. Okay, if I can't believe in myself, I'll, I'll, I'll let you believe in me. All right? so I'll just do my work. <laughs> so that's the first job. Yes. Like, oh. yes. And then as I then brought myself up more, of course, more confidence, yeah. uh, sharpened my skills more, more really check that, wait a minute, I am delivering change. Without me, this would not have happened. So the more the chances of things not happening and then you come in and you intervene, because of the intervention, it changes. I feel the value should go up. So then, okay, I, you know, it's just more exposure to situations, to clients. Of course, I got more um, 
training in certificates. Uh, one module I went through was um, how do you coach using return on investment as a, an approach for your corporate clients. And I went, you know what, not many coaches have that. I should charge more. I invested um, this amount of money, I can't remember how much, in my training, I need to feed that investment back into my prices. And somehow suddenly me went, oh, that was very practical. Lynn. Yeah, good job, okay, do that. <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> and at the time, I really have MCC. So it's like, but it's, it's horrible to be charging two, three hundred dollars. I'm spoiling the market, you know. I care about the profession and therefore I should not be doing that too, even though my ego does not agree. Yeah. So the first jump was to three hundred, right? So yeah, and, yeah, and then and then the corporate world was that was that is it just a, a gliding path? A yeah, glide path? four five. Four five. Okay, right? and then after that, what happened? I, I can't remember. At some point, I jumped it to eight hundred. I think that was when I began to actually I bookmarked the the Jakarta thing, but we come back to that. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, at one point I pushed it to 800 tested the market still okay especially corporate coaching because after that yeah 2017, 18, 19 more organisations were looking for coaches so I'll try I'll quote I didn't get a blink okay then accepted right and then I had L&D and HR people as my students and they could tell me Lynn 900 ah too low US coaches charging this much you all should be coaching at least ah, with your MCC and, and experience minimally 1,002 again Oh, somebody believes in me. Okay, I, I will do it. Market research, right? So, I start charging 1,002. Still, okay, like, so, so then, um, so then 1,005 to 2,000 became like really private clients. The ones who are, you could say, almost desperate for a change. They don't know what is the change they need, but they know they don't want this, the way their life, their life is right now, or the way that their business is right now. They, they know they're unhappy and they've tried all things and they can't. And they're willing to go, yes, I want to commit on I want to commit to my life. I said, your commitment takes at least three months, you know? So it's a way to hold them accountable as well. So it's just, I guess, getting, like, knowing, um, finding out how money and worth really works outside of my ego. But I think, I think a beautiful thing that you did um, was that you didn't jump too early, right? Um, <laughs> and... I think sometimes people do that. Yeah, like bosses in job, like, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because it's like, hey, you know, you, like, someone thinks that you could do mm. more, you could charge mm. more, and so that's validation already. And you do it just through, you know, pure word of mouth, reputation, and work. And so then they just saw it, hey, let's apply another field, right? Same skills, different field. Oh, this field actually can demand, uh, have more paying power, mm. right? Mm. And so they're like, actually, you're worth, I mean, you do like coaching, you can't, right? But this field with this client that have this money, what well, you can, mm. right? Mm. So it's them taking you to a different field. And then after that, as you gradually move up, you test, you're like, okay, we'll just throw this number out, you know? And then it, oh, you get them blink, great, you know? Uh, and so it was a gradual thing until it sort of moved out to what it, what it is. It's, it's yeah. So actually, actually now when I think about it, my 2008, I did a 2008 for an Australian client. It was also because he was referred by an, a very senior L&D student of mine. Mm. And he said, you know what, Lynn is not... And he sold me in. <laughs> and he said, okay, you just have a chemistry session. And I quoted my, my, my fee and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so... I don't want doing the job for me. <laughs> yeah, so if, if other people, then yeah, correct. So I think the teaching does help, right? Because then, you know, you're a student. And so you have this uh, relationship that they're like, okay, I'll tell you that, you know, like this, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
compared, you know, like other people are selling this, I'm like, yeah, but Brian, it boils down to people sell people. Yes. All the time. And nobody can sell you until they experience you. Which is why I have this thing with I have this thing with coaches who are just going after certification. They're not truly mastering their craft. And by the way, you're dealing with a person's life and their psychology. You don't come and just go for a certification and then you just try to up 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 your price because you want to be seen that way. Yeah. It's it's real serious work. And frankly, if that's the path that you choose at some point, or let's put it that way, when you dedicate yourself to real the, the mastery it takes to, to, to really change and, and value add mm. society, people will see that, they will talk about you. It's a natural thing. I know that all like, my good friend Eric Fung, right, he's on stages of I don't know how many thousands of people. He says the same thing and we talk about this all the time. Like, you just do, Lin, just, he always tell me, Lin, don't think about it, just continue doing good work. People will sell you. Mm. And so, so, well, Two pieces of information out there. So good work, getting paid great, and then 37 years old, the worst year of your life. How was it 37? Was it, uh, no, no, 37, oh, no, no, 20, 27. 27. Oh, you're 27, uh, you're getting paid thousand eight. No. no, 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 no. Which was the year worst year well, of your life? Uh well, I mean I, I don't know if that is connected. So when was the thousand eight and you know, was there was there a point of like after we don't want to do that and then anymore. And oh, then, no, I still do that, but I still do, yeah, yeah, I still do, but I think private clients private or clients. corporate clients. Now. Okay, okay. Yeah. And and so then, how come the last year or two was like not very good? Um, because like, I, I mean, people assume that, oh, you know, you, you're fine, right? Doing financially well uh, and traveling. Uh-huh. Then like, how come? Oh, because um, number one, the corporate side slowed down, COVID. So I actually had a lot of leaders. I had the most number of leaders in healthcare. Which for, most of them were from healthcare at the time, 2020. I had on hand about 12 coaches, okay, senior leaders. It was paying quite well. Um, and then COVID happened. So the whole way to the front line, I saw that went down. But it's fine because at the time that year, I had my Collective Change Institute. I wanted to focus on my team and my clients. Right? And the business that still needed to run. Then the other thing is I was serving as president on the ICF Singapore mm. board, the ICF mm. chapter, Singapore board. And, and then this whole profession was thrown into COVID. Um, I had to take care of the community. I had to figure out together with my team, of course, um, where does coaching come in to support society during COVID? Mm. So to me, it was just, that's the kind of what I wanted to do. I escaped it. Never really been <laughs> driven by the money. Right? It kind of happened to me. So it's okay if those two years took a backseat. I learned so much um, in terms of the business and the community. I'm somebody who hates mundane routine. So with COVID happening, I said, wow, life is so different. Wow, there's so much changes. <laughs> oh, we need to adapt. Come on, let's adapt. And okay. I love that I was in leadership positions to help that. Okay, okay. Versus like, oh, this change is happening. Oh, I love 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, onwards, right? 2017 onwards was just a, a breeze. Beautiful life, yeah. Right, right. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about um, discrimination of age and race. Mm. Um, I guess maybe if you were to pick the worst example, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, of course, blanking out the name of the yes, innocent. Yes, 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 yes. You know, how did, how did that... The like... innocent? I'm the innocent. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, if you want to throw oh, that on the bus, you're free. You know, tell the world. I don't remember his name, but I told this, I shared this at the conference where I was 
being interviewed as an MCC, and I tell you, it made all the coaches go like, what? So at that time, to become a master certified coach, you needed to get other MCCs right, around the world, whatever, to vouch for you. They needed to somehow neither know you or hear your recording, whatever, vouch that you can be a master certified coach. And then you submit this letter. I will submit this letter to the ICF. And then, and then they, it's part of the approval process. So at the time, Singapore didn't have any MCCs or at least nobody I, I really wanted to go to. Um, I didn't know any MCCs basically. So I just reached out to random ones around the world. I said, look, this is me. This is my profile. This is my recording. Okay. Can you please listen to this? Whatever. Ask me any questions you need and vote for me because I'm applying for my MCC. Um, some of them came back with huge fees. Some of them didn't come back. But this particular guy said, Lynn, you are 30 years old. Okay, I still have the email. <laughs> I flashed it at a keynote speech last year in front of 500 people. I said, this is what I got from a master's and coach. Apparently people... Uh, so the MCC level is like the highest in the profession, okay? There, these are people who have gone through, you know, I don't know, 2,500 hours at least of coaching. They've gone through all this training. And you will assume all this self-work, that come, this development work that comes together with that. He says, you're 30 years old, you're basically not fit to be a master. Okay, a master certified coach needs somebody, I in between the lines, it's kind of like, you're too young. Why? All this while, I've looked up to MCCs, right? That is the epitome of, you know, coaches who start this track, they want to become them. Some, not all, but you know, they want to aim for MCC. Because that is the epitome. And then you have somebody up there telling me, you know, you're not modeling what coaching preachers. Yeah, but what are you not modeling? Accepted, yeah. Just because I'm 30, I cannot be an MCC? Since when? Who said that? Um, that was age discrimination. And that's just one of many I've gotten also, you throughout the Of course, every client. Brian, it's, it's, it's a, what do you call it? It's a term for it. Like, uh, on hindsight, it was a great thing that happened. But at the time, it was very challenging because every client I went to, I was like 19, 20. My clients were double my age. They were, first thing they would ask me, why are you to coach me? What do you know? And then I will have to find ways to convince them that I can coach them. Um, and it trained me to get really good <laughs> at selling, not myself, but I don't sell myself, but I will ask them questions that make them go, shit, I don't know. Damn. Okay. Uh, this conversation, I had to very quickly in um, usually half an hour, one, one chance to prove the value in my work, in my conversation in my questioning, for them to go, I'm going to engage you. So, how, I guess, how did you, what, what switch, and you know, for someone who's experiencing that, and what would you tell him or her? Oh, somebody who's experiencing all the discrimination? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, okay, you can't censor it, but I'll say, well, fuck them, man. Okay. <laughs> if you like it, if you're good at it, if you love it, just do it. Bloody hell, it's your life. You're accountable to your life. You're not accountable to these people. And so just walk away? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> that's all two words. Some, sometimes it's uh, <laughs> that's a, as simple as that. You know, you don't need to write a book. No, I mean, <laughs> right? I can write a book, but I can write a book, then like 100 pages in the middle and just <laughs> F you. Like, that's how you do. <laughs> okay, but let me make an important point though. It's not just F you and, and say walk off and be oblivious. Because... Um, what you call biases and uh, discrimination happens because it happens within. It must happen within first before it happens outside. So if you're being discriminated against, yes, you want to F the person, 
but you also want to look at within and say, where are you discriminating yourself? If you believe that you're too young for this, that's your internal discrimination. But that's the sort of like, uh, it wouldn't work kind of like internal scripts, right? Yeah. Then that one, you need to uh, you work on it. Yeah, iron it out. But at the same time, well, I guess coaching would help having a third person neutral perspective. Mm-hmm. Or you have clients that say, hey, you know, you should be charging more. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, I don't know. Like, yes, yeah. it's a reality, right? Yeah, yeah. You bust your reality own. is the best, uh, best uh, the medicine for truth, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the good thing about science is that you have reality to back it up. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I just want to be aware of time. Mm-hmm. Do you need to rush anywhere? I, I don't. I just need, no. Okay. Just pick my daughter at 1.30. Okay, great. I have a couple of juicy ones about just um, schools. You so many schools. Like you're okay. there. And you just know, like, you know, someone who like, want to do coaching. There's a few famous ones, the New Field, the, the New Venture West, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Coactive. Uh, yeah, someone's confused, right? Yes. Yeah. What? You know, how? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, uh-huh. some, even some are ice effort, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. some are not. Yeah. So like, what is the decision tree here to <laughs> clear it out, you know, for, for people? Wow, it's very, very tough. I hear this from my students all the time. Um, wow, where do I even start? So, Maybe also just start with like a little bit of what all the things we have taken. So to give context of like, mm-hmm. yeah, what, what you actually also tried before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or use that as contrast, you know, so that, you know, where the place you were at, blah, blah, blah. If that helps, yeah. Uh, okay, what's, what, what, what do you eventually want to land at? You want some... I guess maybe some framework to think about it, I guess, yeah. Okay. You know, I, I, so I, I get this question all the time, and I will start off with, you need to start with what's important to you. Just one thing, you know, is it just a certification? Is it something particular you're interested in? You know, new role stuff, psychology stuff. Is it change? You know what what interests you? Because frankly, now the market has matured, which is great to a point where you really have all schools of thought, like even religion. You have coaching courses to become like to practice in church, right? For for religion purposes, there there's a lot out there. Right? You first have to know what you are interested in, right? Um, certification. I will always tell people go for the certificate because eventually, and it's, it's happening. Having a cert is an expectation as like somebody would expect you to at least have a degree in Singapore. Okay, so you will need that because the market is just getting bigger. So please go and get a school that will give you a certificate. Um, ideally, an ICF certificate or um, like the next biggest association. Because now if you want to do more work out there, uh, it's recognized. And even like government bodies, when they call for tenders, they are asking for ICF certified coaches. Okay, so that. So what is your interest? Do you want a certificate, right? Mm, and I think the third thing is the learning style. So there are um, many programs out there. They have, you know, is it a blend format? Like what we do online, offline? Is it purely online? Is it purely offline? How frequent? Six months, three months, two weeks? You know, then it's down to what works for you. Mm. How would one sort of go about? I guess, you know, barring like, let's say, Let's say we had a great conversation and like, I was like, Lynn, what, do you, what school do you take? And then you're like, actually, I have so many. <laughs> and, and, and then even then, like a, a coach themselves, like they are like probably the highest uh, payer for this industry, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like, how would one, uh, him or her, like 
sort of decide if you help someone sort of decide which one they want to go with like in, you know I don't think there is like one school of thought and, and frankly many coaches I know they go to different places to get trained in different things right that's how eventually over the years you realise what my gig is what my thing is right Lynn marries A, B, C, D right you marry E, F, G, F <laughs> right because there's just so much so many things to learn and because of you're so unique as an individual you will combine it in the way that makes sense to you I can be doing ABC format uh, approach methodology you can be doing ABC but I serve this audience you serve that audience mm. right so um, uh, for me I, I'm not trained in ICF coaching I was trained in coaching which became part, you know an approved ICF school which I, I helped to start that up and on the sideline, I trained on different mentors. And it just kind of came as a combination. Plus, my interest in whether it's spirituality or how human beings work, right? And all that comes together to form this, which then I bring it to CCI. Um, so I won't, tell a, I won't tell a coach, go choose one particular school of thought. No, you're just, again, you're limiting yourself, right? You're so many things out there. You can be that great. Why do you want to just choose one? So I would say, though, at the fundamental level, if you're starting out your first coach training, you want the foundational skills, I would say uh, a lot of schools teach the same thing, especially if they're ICF certified schools because or ICF approved schools because for us to become a school, we have to teach those things. Yeah. Every school will have to teach those things. So then it's just down to do you like the schools, I guess, methodology? Yeah. yeah, do you like I mean you go after what you like, but if you look after if you if you go after teacher, to you teacher is important, then you choose a school you like the teacher. If if you know if you don't care about that format is important because you're busy, then you go after that. You will you will come out learning the basics in coaching. So that's safe. Mm. What you do after that, I will have opinions about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, uh, great. So we pause there and maybe sort of touch a little bit of like the different things you took mm. and like what you took out of like each one mm. uh, of them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so with my mentor, Salvin, so yeah. there was a lot of... Um, transformation elements there. Like he got trained again. He, had, he brought a unique combination and I was so lucky to learn that unique combination around um, just how do you get a person to have a paradigm shift. Okay. So asking very deep probing questions um, to have them shift their identity. Right? Let's just put it that way. Right. Um, and so then... Because like, I, I assume people transformation coaching sounds like a cool thing. <laughs> like, like they might just like, oh, okay, sounds cool. But like what... Is it like, when you say like identity change would fit in that category? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's, it's basically a, a painful, it's the painful process of change. I'm not a subscriber to, let's look at actions that you can support you. What's your plan? Oh, you go through, so, oh, it's very difficult. Well, what's the solution you can think of? I'm not for surface level things because it doesn't get to the point. Right? So I like to get to the point. It's the most painful, but it's the fastest. Um, so that's the effect of transformational okay so so transformation coaching would be get to the source yes be a bit you know identity yes. stuff any yes. other things you want to put yes. into that shedding like that choice that conscious choice to shed that yeah. right the whole you know finding who you are at the core mm. okay so that's transformation yeah. at least uh, in my okay yes yes of course and then I went to uh, process school so it's process oriented psychology yeah by Arnold McDowell. It's amazing. I had a chance to, you know, in a group process, um, he stood next to me and he put his hand on my shoulder and I felt this entire universe of compassion flow through me. His presence is so strong, I just started crying. 
pure compassion. Amazing. So he, so with process oriented psychology, it's like the softer side of things. It's to recognize the nuances and the unsaid that's happening. So for example, if I'm talking to you, okay, I'm, I'm using my mouth, I'm using my hands, okay, but consider that my hands are trying to say something more or something else. And then sometimes you get very contrary signals, like I'm talking, but I'm going like, so you know, Brian, like, uh, why? Am I, yeah, yeah, but what is this subconscious process? Yeah. yeah. And um, it process-oriented psychology helps to unfold this. Okay, maybe I'm trying to, my conscious process is to talk, but my subconscious process is saying, oh, Lynn, don't talk, right? There's no value in your words. Or like, Lynn, you know, you're shy. But don't review so much. There is a message behind this subconscious thing. And unless you integrate it to become part of the uh, whole, you always be conflicted as a person. There are conflicts within you. I want to talk, but... Um, so I like that because it's, it's really the... In coaching, we call it the unsaid. How do you tap into the unsaid? And the unsaid comes along in language, words, tonality, energy, energy... Would you say it's just like... Would you like put the bucket of like presence-based coaching, somatic, into that... Yes. Somatic, yes. Presence-based, if you're saying you're taking something out of conscious and bringing it into the present time and, and bringing presence to it, uh, yes. Okay. okay. Anything else? Then I had a oh, motivation from Stephen Rees. He's passed away, but he is the, the uh, brain behind the Rees Motivation Profile. So that was, uh, it's one of the latest schools of research in motivation and it's so freaking useful if I I knew this as a leader years back I would meet so differently Um, and it's part of where I learned that the assumption of because my value is important to me I assume it's also important to you you should be acting in accordance to my value so there's all these distinctions and also these universal motivators that he thought and so I had this whole uh, I get now a lens of motivation and what drives people Okay, and yeah how people are trying to be congruent to and so, is that more like a thought, you know, personality, um, that's also a personality test element to it? Uh, it's a motivation test, not personality. That's oh. what I like. It's not personality. Oh. Personality is something that, yeah, yeah it's like plasticine. Yeah. Okay, you can more, but under the plasticine, what is that thing that is around? So, his work also goes right into that. These are the core values of a person. And I teach this in behavioral change to my coaches right now. And you can mold the outside all you want, but if you don't know what this is, you will never get to the again the source of what is um, what is this person trying to live out in their life. And when they and when the person finds that out, when the client finds that out, they connect to it. Yes, then everything else can now become more congruent. Right on. Mm. Right on. Okay, so this tree. Else? One more. Oh, wow. that. So, uh, return of investment. Oh, yes. Yeah. About so, it, that yeah. was more systemic. How do you go in and measure change, which is plagues our industry right now? Oh, change is so difficult to measure. A lot of it is intangible, it's iffy. Um, so, it just gave me a more systematic way and the language to, and the confidence to go into corporates and say, I can measure the change if that's what you want. It will cost more, but I can measure it, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to report it in. Um, so, it helped me, I guess, just be more, it changed the process I um, established, you know, when you go into organizations, clients will ask you, what's your process? How do you, what does my coaching, my leader go through? Yeah. It helped me build that process. And again, it's part of that packaging so that people will pay you more. Okay, great. Uh, and I'll just throw a couple of names out there and then we, we see if they fit in a new category or, or you don't know or they can be 
put in the subset of okay. this four that you okay. you put. So like, I mean, New Ventures West and New Field, like ontological and integral. Will you say, I mean, to me, it sounds like they're more... Part process. of that tra- transformation. Oh, transformation. Because yeah. okay. it's still on the being, the person. Mm. And then, the presence-based somatic is... Uh, I don't know what's presence-based. What's presence-based? Uh, I still don't know. <laughs> yeah okay okay great um is there anything else I coactive yeah what do you want to know <laughs> I mean, which, which, which I guess category which category I don't know <laughs> I don't relate to what they say <laughs> okay and then okay then we, we okay let's throw the school aside then there's this like um whole category of neuro oh neuro yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's that. not about neuro neuro is about how the brain works um mm. good to know yeah. Good to know um, because the brain makes up so much of I mean it helps a person really understand part of what drives us. But I feel if you it's very technical and it's not what makes up an entire person. Not entirely. There are so many other aspects of that emotions, spirituality, higher intelligence, somatics, body. Okay. Okay, so let's move are there any other... Yo, there are a lot. Okay, okay. <laughs> a lot, Let's... man. Okay, we'll pause there. I also don't know. I cannot yeah. keep up. Okay. But I mean, it's just like category... categorically, um, that's interesting. Nothing comes to mind for me. La. So, I move the school aside and then we'll talk about events, seminars. Okay. Right? Okay. So, two that came to mind is like, there's one in landmark. Right? And I want to like put the Tony Robbins yeah. one. Um... Are they complementary or are they like totally separate? Totally complementary. Oh. Um, and I come from, um, I, I believe what makes a good coach is the inner work, the inner change. Um, and I tell this to my coaches all the time. You want to be a good coach, competent, like technically, competence. Mm. You can like go, just coach three, five years. Yeah. You'll be good at coaching skills. Mm. But it doesn't mean that you'll be a great coach. Because mm. being a great coach means being able to bring a client somewhere where they, the client, and the coach may, uh, where, where the client has not gone before. And if you're scared of, let's say, emotions, a lot of coaches are like, oh my god, intense emotions, oh, I don't know how to handle, or you have coaches who don't believe in getting emotional themselves, they don't embrace their deep emotions, they will never be able to bring the client there ever. They will shut it down. Right? Or they will choose niches like, oh, I only do um, whatever, right? Like, corporate executive coach. corporate yeah, yeah, coaching yeah. because I'm not needed to go into the emotions. I have a reason to, you know, not bring that in. Yes, I'm, I'm not saying you can't. You can, you can do that. I come from a school of thought. I, I don't believe in that. Um, so when you do any kind of programs where you work on yourself and you bust through your own self-limitation, then Mark does that. I know Tony Robbins can do that. Do it. By all means. Transform yourself. Yeah. And let's see. Because uh, it's like, okay, now you're like, okay, tell me what this um, emotional work important, which, is, which I agree. Um, but then if you didn't know um, about it um, or you didn't know the existence that, hey, that's actually emotional based coaching right then you wouldn't mm. right mm. but I don't see a place whereby like okay categorically mm-hmm. here's how it's being labelled out and like if you want it's there and you, you, you can and you can choose not to as well but now it's just like I don't know if it exists like for mm-hmm. some people just start like coaching mm-hmm. yeah Is there, are there any places that sort of like group them oh, or like no really no. not that I know because um, coaching can be married with everything and, and there's just more and more popping up 
So there's no one place where you have all that. Yeah, I think that's why mentors is uh, good in that sense, because then they can spot your blind spot and let you know, and then you can consciously choose if you want to do it or not. Yeah, yeah. So I I would say it just most of the exposure, whether it's through a mentor or you hear other coaches coach, um, or coaches from other schools. um, That's where you would see different styles, different approaches, and you go, "Oh, I would like to learn that," or that would be useful. Or how come I didn't think of that? Mm. So that's just part of the growth process. So that's the part where I talk about. After your foundational training, when you know what coaching is and what other coaching skills, then that becomes your playground to go, wow, what 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 really interests me? What's the kind of work I want to do? What's the kind of audience I want to do? And there's so much out there that can support that. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the last two years, maybe let's narrow down the last two years, who are the, you know, programs, coaches, people that you still pay for or go to the learn? I just signed up for like three courses. <laughs> what? I'm trying to tell like Pele and Lin. Okay, I'm not a I'm not a, a, a I'm not a course junkie. I am not. Okay, I've not done courses for a long time. But it's also because I guess I'm done with my third child, right? He's gone he's going to school, so I'm ready to learn more. Um I just signed up for a course City Night. So it's called shit, RRT, Rapid Resolution Therapy or something like that. Um and it's, it falls into the category of, I assume, because it's only starting next week, releasing like the baggage stuff, the self-limitation stuff. Okay. Um, I love behavioral change. Yeah. I teach that as well in my advanced modules. But again, as much as you can consciously or actively change your behavior, you will have all these very, very deep-rooted subconscious stuff. Um, and I, again, because I want transformation... Unfortunately, you will have to deal with those things if you really want to transform. Mm. So I'm always looking for new technology. So that's one, and then yeah. what else? What are two? Um, the other one is um, oh, art therapy. My friend kind of okay. asked me to go sign up now, right? Because they do some drawing stuff in yeah, yeah. anyway. Very gentle approach. Yeah, yeah. friends would benefit a lot from that as well. Mm. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Good to know. Has to start as well. Okay, okay. Um, then I signed up for more like a personal thing plus curiosity. This uh, goal manifestation Ooh. course. So it just that's a bit more on the, the conscious, subconscious, uh, and, and like what we spoke about, how do you basically align it? Mm. Yeah, the translation of inner desire to outside. But what, what about this one that sort of intrigued you that you want to spend money and time? Oh, she has a lot of raves, a lot of people raving. And I'm like, and then I wanted to crack the formula, like what makes people rave? Mm. <laughs> so it was partial sort of business, curiosity, you know, I saw, I saw how does she do it, yeah. right? right? But also it was on goals so I thought he set up my goals I think the chance to set up my goals for a year anyway yeah yeah okay okay and so this, those are causes are, and, mm. then, and then are there are there any other in the last two years that you know was meaningful? no I was busy with kids <laughs> and you know COVID yes yes COVID <laughs> um, what about on the on the on the end of you know one to one sessions and what do you, do you do you pay for any in the last two years no okay okay cool Mentors. I'm on the lookout, but I don't find... I'm not actively looking. Wa. Right. Do you... Are uh, your mentors... Ten years ago, still the same mentors now? No. Oh. Uh, because they are either overseas or they're old. Uh, <laughs> two, have, two, have, two have died. <laughs> I mean, old, like... Yeah, the rest are not... Like, they are not in touch or not in the same country. So, I mean, like, how... Like, okay, I guess... Two parts question like what like what is the thing that made you like like put them in the category of, of mentor? Um, mm. 
okay, who I call a mentor? Somebody who has uh, spearheaded like uh, a school of thought, or they have, uh, you know, they have some kind of technology or an approach that they have founded and it has proven to work. That's who I call a mentor. I don't call just any, anybody a mentor. So, uh, Jay Conrad Levinson, he was the father of Guerrilla Marketing, yeah, on. Um, Stephen Reese, Motivation Profile, yeah. passed on. Um, Arnie Mandel. Um, so this guy that I just signed up for RRT, uh, I, I was just actually contemplating doing a one-to-one session with him. I don't know enough of his technology, so we'll see how. So we'll do that first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. And then, how do they, like, I guess, how does the relationship look like? Like, you know, frequency and you know, topics of conversation. All different. All different. Yeah. All different. Okay, okay. And then you go, like, like what are some examples of things people bring to a mentor? Or you bring to a mentor, maybe, yeah. Because mm, I, 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 you, know, you can also bring a coach, right? Then, you know, you can also bring a mentor. Then you can also bring to a Right, oh, so like what uh, is like unique about the mentor thing that <laughs> okay okay yeah, okay you know, so yeah so if it's a coach I'll talk about my my issues my challenges my thoughts right normally with a mentor I will ask a lot of questions around what will you do in this case what will you do in that case okay this is happening why like give me your insight give me your perspective give me your knowledge um I, I'll be interested in that how would you do it what's your approach uh, you know, and what is this mentor considering or knowing that I don't know? Mm. The different factors they look at. Yeah, so it's almost like trying to take their brain and putting it mm. into my brain. Mm. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> Love. How do you see it differently from how the culture sees? Wow, why did you come out with this question? Uh? Interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I had this conversation with a guy I did that before. He was very intrigued by my answer. And also how you see it differently over the years. Hmm. I, I see love as a choice. Um, and how is it different from the masses? I won't say it's their fault, but we are never thought what love is. And the love that we have learned over the years, either through um, observing or what we've been told explicitly, is always conditional love. Okay, so it even starts from like a, a mom. Like, honestly, oh, I love you more if you listen to me. You hear it all the time. Like, listen to me, listen to me, right? Uh, oh, this child, I cannot get along. Like, you, it, it's, it's very normal for parents to have blocks to their children and vice versa. You know, does that affect love? What if a child becomes a person that uh, you hate? This child has values or has a personality that you as a person, you don't agree with. I tell you, it will affect the love. Right, so what then? What is unconditional love? Uh, have we ever experienced that before? Um, truly, so so I feel that the most unconditional love one can master comes from choice. I choose to love you because I simply choose to. It's not because you're great to get along with. It's not because you can benefit me. It's not because I like what you do. It's not because I like your dressing, right? It's not because, there's no because I just choose to. Mm. And so when a person do some things that you really don't like, or, mm. uh, it's just, how would you, how does unconditional show up? Unconditional acceptance. This is who this person is. But I, but I must say that I admit that I have 
the advantage because I have worked, I mean, I work with people on their lifelines, right? What the traumas that have happened to them, uh, how they became who they are. And I know that who they are is not, it's, a, it's, an, it's an outcome of different things they've gone through. Like if somebody's being really mean, usually they weren't shown enough love, they weren't shown enough love. So they don't know language of love, they don't know what love is, right? they don't know what care is. And so on the outside, it's easy to go like, oh, you're so mean, you're so rude. But then if you treat it, you go like, this happened. Okay. So if you teach, let's say, we could, I give, let's put a scenario to tease out the nuance a little bit. A kid is hurting you. Okay. Right. It's throwing anger at you. As an adult? Am I an adult or am I a kid? You're an adult. Also okay. Adult, right. Then you want to give unconditional love. Yeah. How does that look like? Is it to my kid? To your kid, to your kids, yeah. Um, if I if I can put my triggers aside, where I'm coming from, they need something. Okay. There's a need that they have. Okay. And the way that they try to process it and the way that they communicate it, the way it comes out, it's not it's just whatever way that they know how in that moment. It's not who they are. Right? So that is So you don't label them. I, I don't label them. I really try not to. So there is the what is the human need that is being expressed? You then attending to that because it's required for psychological safety and assurance and comfort. But there's also the soul, I believe, right? I come from a place where I go, everybody has a soul. And I a child has a soul. I have a soul. There's no little soul, small soul, child soul, young soul, right? A soul is a soul. We meet, that's it. And so I, I see that in my children and I respect that. In their body, they're young. I have a soul relationship with them. Right. And, but now, now, like, you don't want it to, to hit you. As, or you're in a call. Because I don't want them to hit right you. Right. So, how, <laughs> how, how do you, how do you, how do you maneuver that? Okay. So, right? I'm, I'm, like, recently, yeah, so right. recently, I'm learning, I, I picked this up all on, on IG, right? right, right, right. It's very westernized, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm learning and I think it makes sense. Children don't believe, don't understand what don't. Yeah. Or no, or don't, right? Don't has, you cannot imagine a don't. You can imagine drink the water. You can you cannot imagine don't drink the water because you will still imagine the action of drink the water, right? So what I'm learning doing more of these days is um like my son just threw the toys at you know, flung the big car. Right, right. right? Dangerous. Dangerous. Like, it hurt me like actually yeah. this morning. So I I tried to practice that. I say, okay, um Rayan, cars belong in your hand or on the floor? On the floor. He's 15 months old. <laughs> Does he understand? No, not in terms of logically, but yeah. So I'm trying that, right? So you use the language to reinforce the behavior that you want or what should happen, right? Hands to yourself, not onto other people. Hands to yourself, right? Um, to, yeah. Okay, so so is first work on your triggers. Yeah. Then when you are calm, then... What is their need? Yeah, what's the need? Tuning in, right? What's the need there? Yeah. And then hands to uh, yeah, cars on the, the floor. So in this case, because it hurts people, yeah. it's then a behavior thing like cars on the floor. But sometimes if there's an outburst, then the need is an emotional need. So okay, you know, tell me what's going on, like, or if I'm triggered, which happens with my eldest child, you go and take a break, time out. Okay, let's time out first. Yeah. And it seems to work for her. Then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um. And then how does sort of love when it collides with 
needs, right? You mm. know, and uh, all differences of how you see money, partnership. Like, how does love s- still come in? Okay. Yeah. The role of yeah, yeah. love. Um, because to me, love is a choice. So I choose to love the people around me. And because of the work I do, I choose to love humanity. You, you can't not love humanity and want to change them. <laughs> right? It's a service to humanity. So, um, even though I don't agree or I don't like what I'm seeing, right, all these conflicts, um, the love comes in on two levels. First of all, it is the level of the disagreement is just in form. Okay? But love is formless. It's a, you know, I can still love this person and not agree or not like what the person is doing. Because I'm loving that again, is that soul or that greater self? They're not. So you, you just, can understand them. Can understand. Why they yeah, maybe to put in very layman terms, I'm struggling a bit here, but to put in layman terms is just yeah. understand, have some compassion, yeah, empathy. Yeah. Mm. So you don't need to agree. I don't have to agree. You can understand. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I said there are two levels. So that's one level, right? The other level is loving yourself. Mm. So. The only way to make up for your lacks within, which we tend to project outside, is to love yourself. It just seems to always boil down to that. It's not a theoretical thing, but it's through my experience of like different times I had to heal within. It it just always goes down to that. Right. And what are let's say I'm like, wow, Lynn, I want to love myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, how does that sort of uh, would look like? Like, you know, if I want to make it into behavioral actions, you know. Oh, it's not the behavior. Okay. Because I never believe that behavior is the only thing that changes people. It's the intent. Okay. So, you can say, and I know coaches who do this, right? Like, oh, oh, you want to love yourself. Self-care. Self-care. Go and do self-care. Right? So, because this, yes, an imposition of self-care is the way to self-love. But I can tell you, if you don't know where to tap into, mm. your massage and your coffee is just going to be an act. You're still going to come out empty. But it's intense. It's what you bring in. It's what you focus on. If you go for simply a walk, you do your own man walks, what do you focus on? Right? If you're focusing on, for example, I, I'm, I'm, I'm moving my body because, you know, I, I, I want my body to feel strong. Right? I want to think of my body. Right? I want to... Right? That is self-care language to yourself. And if you're focusing on that versus like, oh, I need to do all these other things. Blah, 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 you're not feeling the love. You're just feeling like your mental activity. It's not, it's not going to change you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, then, how would you, how does, you know, okay, because action is the easiest, right? Mm. But then, like, this, then you have this problem of, like, let's say I think I'm giving my heart a lot of love, but actually, like, not really, you know? How do you know? <gasps> it's your thoughts. Okay. If you're aware of your thoughts, what mm. you're thinking, your thoughts will show you what you're focusing on. And there's this wonderful saying, where your focus goes, energy flows. Mm. If your focus is on doing this for myself, mm. I'm having this cup of coffee for my, my time with myself. You're feeding that. Mm. Right? There's this old Zen story um, of the black dog and the white dog. I don't know. You don't know. Uh, it's, so, it's, like, it's also common now, so but um, you know, wait, what, 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 what was it? See, it's so long ago, I can't remember. Like, um, which, which dog is the strongest? Like, like Somebody asked the Zen master, which dog is the strongest? And he said, it's the dog that you feed the most. Oh, yeah. Because I'm trying to like tie it together here. You know, I care about my mom, okay. you know, so I want to do things, help her. But then now like, like, like my life goes like crazy. 
right? And then, like, now I have to, like, take care of myself. And, like, the pendulum <laughs> swung the other way. You know, like, hey, you know, we'll put you there, you know, for, on pause first, okay? We'll just keep you a bit. I'll come back to you. But, like, you know, like, I mean, is there, you know, is there a way to think about that? Yeah. The pendulum needs a swing. If all your life you've never self-loved, you need to swing that way. The only, how can a pendulum find their middle ground? Mm-hmm. Only by swinging. And then it will come to the most natural rest. Right? A person is a problem if you're, it's a pendulum, you're stuck one side. Then you're not doing what a pendulum needs to do, which is swing. So it takes a lot of courage to go against what you think is right. All this while I take care of my mother... It's not right for me to just abandon her. And then there's all these like fears that come in. Oh, it's abandonment. I'm not caring about her. What's she going to say? You know, she's going to be angry. She's going to get sick, whatever. Um, those are the comfort zone being uh, threatened. And it feels very real. Right? But it's still just part of the process of your growth. Mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on the last one because you have an issue with positive thinking. Let's just more or less rant about it a little bit. Yeah. And then we'll go on to the question. It's quite tied to what we said so far, like positive thinking. It's just very surface off. Are you talking about positive thinking? Like, I don't know. What is your rant? Yeah. Like, how would you say this is a good version of positive thinking? This is a toxic version of positive thinking? Oh, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. But then deep down, you say you can't. So I, I did have an issue with Tony Robbins at the start. Okay. At that time, maybe I wasn't mature. I don't really know right. exactly his work. But I know it's changed a lot of people's lives. So obviously, something works, right? But my impression of it, which is an example of positive thinking, is when somebody tells you, you know, you know, Brian, you're telling me, I want to, you know, keep keep doing my weights every morning, but it's very tough, right? And I say, okay, Brian, you can do it. You can do it, you can do it. You can do it, you know, you can, you can. Nothing changes in you, right? So it's the same with, if you don't work, again, it's down to that work of the, what I would call inner work, or other terms like that subconscious, or what's in the unconscious, right? Um, you're not. It's not real. It's not real work. It's not real change. Mm. I guess the only way to know if it's good or bad is look. If you do this positive thinking, and then you and then you suddenly love yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know? yes. Like, what for you? Yes. Right. But you do this positive thinking, and like no change. And then the worst thing is that, but people later on uh, a meaning out of that. Oh, you see. I, I try to do this, but I cannot love myself. I'm not, see, I'm not worthy of love. Oh, yeah. Oh, then it becomes this whole drama again and this narrative about. Oh, good, right? No. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing but is. But you need to be aware of, so. You need yeah, to be aware of what? Of, you have this, people are doing, doing this narrative and you make sure you don't take on their narrative, right? So, if I, I come from a school of thought that we just need to do unfolding. Okay, like, we are all great within. But what has happened is over the years, we've been shat on, right? Or we make choices where we shit on ourselves and we just become this mud ball of mud, right? Forgetting that there's a gem inside. Um, I've seen, the way I've seen transformation happen in the last 20 years is when you just unfold this and they discover that light inside. That's all. So what I disagree with positive thinking is that it's another layer that's plastered on. Mm-hmm. You. You know, if if you don't believe that you are strong, I'm just trying to plaster on you are strong, you are strong. You're not discovering who you are inside. If I say Brian, this has worked for me, which is like the great when you like advice. I mean, advice is good sometimes, but sometimes when a person really wants to change, advice doesn't work. If Brian is okay, you just set alarm. Okay, three alarms works for me. You do what you do. Again, it's another plaster on top. You're not finding your way. You're not finding your why. You're not finding your who. 
Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because like plus the advice thing does you know sometimes work, but then like sometimes doesn't work, right? I think we have sort of wrapped up the main stuff, <laughs> the meat of it. With positive thinking. Yeah, with positive thinking. And uh, with just... What? I say this... Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, right? What stood out for you? Is that is there any questions? Oh, very difficult questions. I so you can only ask... No, you can give it a try now. I don't ask. Uh, so like, <laughs> what, what, what do you want? Oh, you remember? <laughs> Sorry. Get over, over. Books you have given... The most. I don't tend to give books. Okay. I'm not a bookie person. But um, the books I do recommend, uh, one of them is My Life Bible called Atlas Shrugged by Anne Rand. She's a philosopher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why? 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 Just the things she say inside. Just Interesting. Uh, underrated coaching, school, course, methodology. CCI! CCI. There we go. <laughs> um... Most um, recent purchase that impacted your life under 100? Oh, yes. I like this question. It made me think very hard. Because uh, at first, I struggled because, like, number one, Ryan, many things now are not less than 100. Very <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um It was a bottle of cookies from this brand called The Pantry News. Okay. okay I just put Favorite. it on IG, like, two days ago. No, I just... Um, we bought it for our team and I tried it and it's really good cookies, okay? Really good cookies. I grew up on cookies and it's really good cookies. I gave a shout out on IG and then this person behind the business, I don't know who, DM me back and said, uh, thank you, Lynn. By the way, I watched your interview with Eric Fung and it was like, like blah, 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 right? Wow, I got a lot. Thanks for sharing your, your knowledge and stuff like that. And I love that exchange because it's quite pertinent to the story in Enran where she talks about the greatness of man's mind. Right? And, and this exchange was exactly that. I appreciated and respected this person's expertise in cookie making. This person got something out of my expertise through my sharing. Like that to me is an amazing, it's a real transaction of, I don't know, connect, you know, Generosity human. And connection. No, it's human intelligence, like human, like wow. men, right? At their best, this is how we exchange. It's not monetary. I, I just found so much joy and meaning in that. Worst advice? Uh, Be yourself. <laughs> Who the fuck is myself? <laughs> I have so many selves. <laughs> Successful, when you think of the word. Who is the person? Um, I had to pick the people around me. So the very close friends I've had, whom I have witnessed with my own eyes how much they have changed over the years. That to me is success. Right, on, so on the magazines and your IG or whatever, you see the the reality success maybe the car the house the money but to change yourself fundamentally is very difficult and I've seen it and I'm very proud of them that to me is success most common misconception about your work or you oh coaching um, common misconception coaching skills are only for when I want to be certified uh, no coaching skills are an amazing life skill it has changed so many relationships I get success stories over and over again how it's changed parent-child relationships, how it's changed spouse relationships, friends. You know, I'm a better leader because I take time to listen to my people. You know, I stop, you know, trying to solve the problem. There's so much magic in coaching skills, not because coaching skills is this new, amazing, shiny thing they need to learn. It's fundamentally interpersonal skills and connection, human connection. Mm. 
these things that we forget, the human connection piece, things that we forget. So to be to have to wield coaching skills and to be a coach, you are actually putting attention on how can I connect better with people? How can I understand them better, right? How can I empathize? How can I ask better questions to bring out their greatness? Like Upcoming projects, course that people can look forward to? Well, I did not think about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm. oh, what, you have, what, you coming out in CCI? Yeah, yeah, so... Oh, um, this year is definitely podcast launch year. A little bit gay, a little bit late to the party. But I'm so sick of... Uh, my faculty has so much wisdom that it's just not shared. So, I mean, which is kind of why I want to take recording on this also and then turn us in... Um, you know, the ideas into podcast episodes. So, yeah, that will definitely be coming up under Collective Change Institute. Okay. And it's not just me. It's a variety of cultures with a variety of life experiences. What's the format like? Um, I don't know. I thought, thought about it. Okay. I'll give you an example of a topic. Yeah. Yesterday, a coach and I, uh, my, my team member and I were talking about the law of entropy. Have you heard of the law of entropy? Yeah, the physics concept. It's a natural, yes, it's a yeah. natural law where things would naturally go into disorder. Yeah. So you leave something alone, it will disintegrate. Which is why if you don't feed like romance into our relationships, the romance part will disintegrate, right? That's how relationships break down. Then we talked and thought, we went, what about law of entropy of awareness? When you stop being aware of yourself, you will get less and less aware. It ties back to what I'm saying about coaching skills actually brings a lot of awareness to yourself because you're asking questions to yourself to question things, right? And so when you stop doing that and you just take your sheep and whatever happens to you, you believe and you take on, that is an entropy of awareness. And so I realized that in being able to bring awareness to yourself, it is actually that process of self-enlightenment. It's enlightenment is not a, like that. You are actively seeking, understand, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Cool. Yay! You're done? CPI, anyone? I think, yeah. Well, you know where they find CPI or links or in the uh, 